York sports fans, I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle at dinner time and beyond tonight, everybody. I'll be talking all things New York sports with you up until, oh, I don't know, 8 p.m. So whatever you're doing at the moment, I appreciate you tuning in to the show right now and throughout the evening. As I look out the window, I didn't pull the blinds down here. The snow is blowing so hard, it is going from left to right out the window in the studio here. So if you're home, if you're cuddled up under the blankies, hey, give me a call, 877-337-6666, because it is freezing out there. We'll load them up with your best, most thought-out takes only. And, of course, we're here in lower Manhattan. Connor Green and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio. And uh, speaking of, in studio at uh, 7 p.m. in the final hour of the show today, Madeline Burke, fresh off returning from Indianapolis from the NFL Scouting Combine, will be joining us. I am so excited for her to get here. But it's an exciting time of year. Baseball's finally back. We're on the eve of the beginning of March Madness. The Rangers are the best team in New York right now. And we're just about to transition until NFL draft season. What a time to be alive. Didn't Drake say that? Something like that? Anyway, 7 p.m., Madeline Burke will be here, and I cannot wait for that. Hopefully, we are, we'll get, be getting some Freddie Freeman news as well. I've been finally able to retire the Bruno Mars Locked Out of Heaven song because baseball is back. I wanted to start my show today by by welcoming you all back, all you baseball fans who, because of this lockout, swore up and down on these phone lines and all over social media that you dropped the game of baseball, and I knew you would never really be gone. Katy Perry did too. When I'm gone. You were never really gone. You never really moved on, everybody. Don't kid yourselves, all right? Admit it. Throughout the 99-day lockout, you never actually moved on. You're back. You're signed on through at least December 1st, 2026, when this CBA expires. And we do this all, all over again. We do all of this all over again uh, soon. But not too soon, five years from now. So the league-wide new opening day is set for April 7th, which is my brother's birthday. And the Yankees will open at home against the Red Sox on April 7th. And the Mets will open their actual third series of the season at home on April 15th. There is just so much baseball to talk about between now and then. I'm so excited. But in the meantime, you circle these dates on your calendar the Yankees' first spring training game is on March 18th, my mom's birthday, and the first Mets spring training game is on March 19th. I'll be with you on the 20th. So we're going to have plenty to talk about for once. Lindsay Adler of The Athletic spoke with Garrett Cole exclusively, who summed up the negotiations process neatly. And what he said was, this is a quote, on a lot of general premises, the league and the players were aligned in order to make the game better. I would want the fans to know that as well. There are probably people who are frustrated with how this has played out over the past few weeks, and I certainly sympathize with that and sympathize with those frustrations as well. This is Garrett Cole. Uh, I think every player feels that way, and without speaking with for the owners, I'm sure there's some sense of that there as well. End quote from Garrett Cole to Lindsey Adler of The Athletic. 
good, let's play ball. You know, I tracked every volley from side to side in painstaking detail, but for right now, we the fans don't care, at least I don't think, about the dollar amounts anymore. Now that the deal is finally done. I think we, the fans, care about how the game will change as a result of the ratification of the new collective bargaining agreement. Garrett Cole, in that exclusive interview with Lindsay Adler, said, I do think there are some really positive changes here for the industry as a whole and for the sport we all love, owners, fans, and players. End quote. Garrett Cole. Okay, so the changes. Let's just we'll talk about a few of them. And then we'll get into Yankee stuff and Mets-specific stuff as well. In the interest of being very neat and very clear, I've, ad- I've categorized them into changes that I love, I like, I don't like, and yes, there is one thing that I hate. And we'll start with that one. What do I hate? Well, forget the repulsive Nike checkmark on the uniforms. Hate them, still can't get used to it. Now, baseball players will be even bigger walking billboards. Uniforms will now have advertising patches. Batting helmets will have advertising decals. I mean, how embarrassing. It's, it's just embarrassing for a monopolistic multi-billion dollar corporation to cheapen its product with these decals. C-R-E-N-B-A as well. What I love. Oh my God. For this year, finally, finally, we have instituted a universal designated hitter. You know how I feel about the universal DH. It could not have come soon enough. You know, pitchers nowadays are assets worth hundreds of millions of dollars. They are not designed anymore to swing bats and run bases. Just like your Ferrari is not designed for dirt roads. The muscles used, the muscles worked for pitching are nothing like today the muscles used and worked out for any position group. And, and, and the emphasis on today, because way back when, they weren't paid as much as they are today. These are assets that you cannot ruin. So enough with the laughing stock of the pitchers batting. I'm so happy they got rid of that once and for all. The other thing that I love coming in 2023, so next season, pitch clocks. This is twofold. Pitch clocks both speed up the game and make it more engaging. And there isn't a single major sport that I could think of that doesn't have some sort of counter factored into it. We've talked about this before. Shot clocks in basketball. Serve counts in volleyball. Yeah. Sometimes when, I, when I'm coaching volleyball and that whistle blows, and the kids are like, wait, well, I didn't even serve it. You're like, yeah, you took too long. Serve to the other side. Oh, my God. We practice that all the time. What's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. And, of course, the play clocks in football. And if you're opposed to a pitch clock, maybe start to think of it in this way, a different way. This is a play clock for baseball. Obviously, it'll move the game along, which the average length of time for a baseball game is a glacial three hours and ten minutes. Up like 20-something minutes from just a few years ago. And I think they settled on, I have to check, double-check, but I think it's 14 seconds for a bases empty scenario and 19 seconds for when there's at least one runner on base. Which, by the way, I think is completely enough time. I, I, you know what? I, I just can't wait to see, as the clock ticks down on a pitcher, do they just take the penalty? I don't know yet what that penalty is. Or does he and his catcher rush into something, which could be a humongous opportunity for a hitter in that scenario? I would also like to see what ramifications there will be, if any, 
for any batter that tries to get the pitcher to violate that pitch clock. You know, stepping out of the box, adjusting the batting gloves for the thousandth and one time, playing in the dirt, picking his nose, you know, all these things. So those are the two things that I absolutely love, the universal DH and the pitch clock coming next year. What I like, okay, so I would have loved this, but for this year, if the All-Star game is tied after nine innings, a home run derby will determine the winner of the game. I say, why after nine? End it after seven and then do it. Again, uh, extra innings, of course. Again, that's an exciting, it's a welcome change, but after nine is a little much. You know, I, I know I'll already be sleeping at that point, and so most likely will my students be too, but hey, maybe it's the summertime. Maybe you could stay up a little bit later. I don't know, but what a shame. I think this was, was a great idea. It just kind of elongates it now, and in, in case you were wondering, the All-Star Game, since it started to be a thing back in the year 1933, the All-Star Game has gone into extra innings 13 times. I did some math. That means 13 out of the 88 times the MLB or Major League Baseball's All-Star Game has gone into extra innings. The last time was in 2018. Starting in 2023, the banning of defensive shifts. I can't believe I've said that, that I like it. But if you're a fan of the show, you know, you know that I've talked about, I've done a complete 180 on this, not just because I'm a flip-flopper, because I, I've, I've read new testimonies. I've studied the data. I've studied the numbers more closely. And and if you want to go back and listen to that, email me. I'll send you the, the open from the other night. I went into painstaking detail about how specific hitters barrel up baseballs and still hit 190. So it's time. So if you want to, if you want that, I can send you a link. Email me, danielle.mccarton at odyssey.com. And the other thing, the, the final thing I like about the rules changes is the draft lottery. You know, we all know which teams are competitive on at least a semi-consistent basis. And we all know the ones that just aren't. I mean, everyone talks about the Pittsburgh Pirates, but why don't I just go ahead and point out that the Seattle Mariners have not made a postseason since I was in middle school. 2001, when I was in seventh grade, was the last time the Mariners made the postseason. It's the longest drought in professional sports. On the entire continent of North America. Come on, man. So, yeah, I'm glad they're starting to de- is, is de-incentivize a word? De-incentivize tanking? It's just a bad look for the sport. And in the next CBA, in five years, I hope to see that they're going to amend this policy even farther and put more rigid guidelines in place. And some things that I don't like. Larger bases is number one on that list. So now, if you were not aware, bases will be now uh, 18-inch squares versus a 15-inch square. Larger bases equals shorter base paths equal more base runners, right? Well, I don't think so. Don't forget, it's also shorter. It's a shorter distance for the fielders to throw them out, too. And the other thing that I don't really like but would warm to it, depends on how it goes, is the expansion to a 12-team playoff. I mean, we'll see if it waters down the competition. I'm going to venture to guess right now that it will. And the format will be, for those that are curious, it's going to be six teams from each league get in. Then the division leaders with the two best records in each league get a first-round bye. See, I would have liked to see that go to like a, a power rankings sort of scenario because 
The Mets, for example, reside in a division where the reigning world champions are, world series champions are, which is the Atlanta Braves. And have you been paying attention to the NL West? All right. Anyway, the wild card will be a best of three series, which is number three versus number six, and then four seed versus five seed. And then for the division series, obviously the next one, the number one seed gets the winner of four versus five, and the number two seed gets the winner of three versus six. Fine. Overall, though, I'm not a huge fan. But in turning this into a positive, I guess it keeps the game relevant for the fans and the cities of whichever extra teams do end up getting in because of the change. Baseball is unlike hockey and football. I just think the cream always rises to the top in baseball, whereas in football and hockey, there's a little bit, or I don't know, I don't want to say a lot, but there's a little bit more chance involved in the game itself, if, if you know what I mean. I've got a question on the minds of all Yankee fans right now. Justin Bieber just asked it. Where are you now, Brian Cashman? The Yankees need you. Uh, Listen, can somebody perform a welfare check on Brian Cashman? He made no big deals before the lockout started. And after the lockout has ended, still nothing. And how can Yankee fans trust that there's a plan when they see that Andrelton Simmons, who was supposed to be the stopgap shortstop until either Anthony Volpe or Oswald Peraza is scheduled to arrive next season. And Simmons signed for $4 million plus some incentives with the Chicago Cubs. I mean, that price seems to be exactly right in smack dab in the middle of the Yankees price range. What were they waiting for? And then adding insult to injury, there was a shortstop that the Yankees reportedly checked in on before the lockout. Yeah, well, that guy's been traded. The Texas Rangers, in the first post-lockout trade, dealt shortstop Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to the Twins. Not the Yankees, the Twins. So with the options for the Yankees dwindling, my question is, now what? Well... I spoke one-on-one with Aaron Boone on December 2nd at the Italian-American Baseball Foundation's annual gala about fans' concerns that the Yankees had not made any moves before the lockout. This is December 2nd. Here's what Aaron Boone told me on December 2nd. I guess I get it, but I think it's December 2nd. I mean, we've got got a long ways to go um, between now and, and, and spring training and the regular season, so there's so many twists and turns that the offseason always brings and um, you know uh, I know you know cash and, and our front office is working really hard at exploring and um, considering every every available option out of, out there right now obviously with the lockout now where that, that gets put on hold um, but doesn't mean we haven't done a lot of work and doesn't mean we still haven't made the right move um, and it doesn't mean we haven't passed on being the right move either. So uh, let's, I would just say, let's try and hold judgment until uh, we take the field and, and, uh, and there starts to be some wins and losses next to our name. Yeah, well, listen, I know it's finally just spring training, but the Yankees will have a W or an L next to their name in less than a week. And their current options for shortstop currently on their roster right now, this is, this is according to the Yankees' official depth chart, Gio Urshela, Glaber Torres. It's time to cut 
to the chase. Maybe Angleton Simmons signing with the Cubs for a bargain basement one-year deal, which is what the, exactly what the Yankees should have done, presented the, an unforeseen twist and turn for the Yankees' front office. But, man, what is plan B? They better have one, right? And that insidious question of, will the Yankees make a mega deal for, for a shortstop? That insidious question is unshakable. I'll tell you right now, at this point, if they're waiting for either Carlos Correa or Trevor Story, they are making a huge mistake. The simplest reason being this. These Yankees are not the Yankees of yesteryear. We know that. So to sign Carlos Correa or Trevor Story to a monster contract would be a gigantic, colossal mistake. That move right there would tell me that Aaron Judge will not be a Yankee when his contract is up. The Yankees don't print money like they used to. Base salaries just on their books just this season. Base salaries. If it would be Garrett Cole right now, base salaries making 36 million. Giancarlo Stanton, base salary, 29 million. And then it's your choice of Carlos Correa, whose estimated AAV is $30 million, or Trevor Story, who's got an estimated AAV of $27 million. And those figures from Spot Track, my favorite website, and I rounded them to the nearest million dollar. And then you're going to factor in Aaron Judge on a mega deal to all that? It's just not sustainable. So besides the contract dollars not quite computing in my brain, I can't forget about the not one, but two shortstop prospects that the Yankees currently have in their minor league system. One of which, Anthony Volpe, who is number 15 on MLB's top 100 prospects list, he's expected, according to MLB Pipeline, to make his MLB debut next season. Because the fact that Simmons is not a Yankee this season, it's it's just beyond me. Like, what are they doing? Is, is Brian Cashman aware that the lockout has ended? Did he know he could make a move or moves before it even started? And for those of you that insist that Carlos Correa, or I heard somebody this morning calling uh, on TV, calling Trevor Story a stopgap. Are you kidding me? The guy's expected to get an eight. Eight-year deal. What kind of stopgap is that? <laughs> but for those of you who want to enter a long-term relationship with either of those guys, I have one question for you. Why? I want to hear from you. Then there's the question of, how about this? This is the dark horse here. The 2018 Rookie of the Year runner-up, Miguel Andujar, how does he factor into this mix, if at all? Because he always seems to be injured and unavailable. But... An able-bodied Miguel Andujar would be a welcome relief for the Yankees. He's expected to report to spring training on time. You see this story? He was robbed at gunpoint in the Dominican Republic on Wednesday. Allegedly, he was beaten on his farm there by, it was like two guys that stole a conflicting reports here, but $7,000 either watch or gold chain and an SUV belonging to his dad. They fired three bullets, none of which hit him, but allegedly hit another person at on the scene and the finger. So he's going to be there on time tomorrow. Good for him. But I do have to say the biggest disappointment so far with the New York Yankees is that they look exactly the same as last season. That's a problem. And as far as the Mets, because you know we love talking about both of our New York teams here on this show. You know that. And the biggest storyline for the Mets mostly intact, ready-to-go team, is the availability of the two starting pitching studs. 
Jacob deGrom, and Max Scherzer. Did you catch the quote from Scherzer the other day? Future National Baseball Hall of Fame pitcher Max Scherzer told the Mets coaches when he met with him last night, it was like 8 p.m. last night or so, he said, I'm here to help Jake. He should get the ball whenever he wants. He comes before me. Wow. I mean, if that isn't everything and more that you want to hear from your biggest free agency acquisition in years, I don't know what is. And then Tim Healy tweeted today, Max Scherzer said he can probably stretch out to 100 pitches by the regular season. He's already at three innings, 50 pitches in simulated games. This is so crucial for Jacob deGrom because, and none of us know the actual severity of the injury he sustained last season, but if, if Jacob deGrom isn't ready to go at the beginning of the season, well, then don't worry. That's okay. Max Scherzer will be ready to roll. Mets fans, that's an A-OK position to be in right now. So let's get it going. I've set the table for you at this dinner time on Saturday. Can't wait to talk with you at 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan here in New York City. Welcome back to Kim Jones. Is just popping her head in. Hi, Kim. I'll come in high and say, and say hi in a second there. All right. Hello, everybody. We're back. I'm Danielle McCartan with you until about 8 p.m. Madeline Burke's coming in at 7 and in case you missed it, it was sent to me on social media, the WFAN softball game on March 31st, the one I was completely and utterly looking forward to playing in has been wah, wah, postponed. Craig said to keep it in mind for the end of June, early July the other day, he said that. So, I don't know, I guess the good news out of this is that, hey, that means that Major League Baseball's back, like actually back. The stadium workers were helped financially by the parties involved in the lockout. They'll be back on their way to earning money again. And we can focus on playing for another local charity. All good. Don't worry at all whatsoever. When there's a game, I will be there. I'll play. be playing in it. And uh, all right, let's go in the order that you call. Frank and Jersey, you're up on the fan first. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more exciting than talking to a beautiful woman about sports. All right. Easy there, Frank. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, for, I, I wanted to talk about the infield shift. Mm-hmm. Basically, um, I wish that it could be eliminated, but... It's going to about be. If but, the, Frank, Frank, it's going to okay. be. Starting in 2023, it's going to be eliminated. Done deal. Oh, I hate I hate it. Um. Can they do it this year where they they can only use it two times and it's up to the manager to decide when he can use it? I, I just can't stand seeing every time an average an average batter comes up to to uh, to the plate and everybody's shifting. It, it makes the game so boring. Yeah. No, I, I get it. And, Frank, and, and that's a good idea. We've talked about that on here. I co-signed that idea. It came up a couple weeks ago. Maybe – um, instead of banning the shift altogether, maybe they adjust it and they say, okay, actually you can use a shift maybe two or three times a game. And in that way, it puts the onus back on the manager. And the manager has to make an in-game decision. I like it. But for right now, the final year of this shift, I can't wait for it to be over. And I'm sure some of these guys that are entering free agency uh, at the end of this season can't wait either. Um, I can't believe I said it. You know, I- I'm the biggest old school you know, fan of baseball there is. Hit the ball the other way. Bunt the ball. Blah, blah, blah. Right, all that. But, you know, and I've gotten into this before, but it's just nobody considers the proliferation 
of, of the modern-day baseball pitcher. And it kind of stop, starts and stops there for me. And there's other reasons why that we've gotten into in-depth uh, on here before. I've changed my mind on the shift. I said amend it. They're going to outright ban it. I'm okay with that. Hey, let's go to uh, Mike in Dumont. Mike, do I know you? Uh, do I know you, Danielle? How are you? And congratulations. And you deserve that blue dot all day. Oh. Everybody on the radio, um, I went to high school with Danielle. Uh, Danielle's a great person. She's been in uh, sports die hard. We went to high school with two phenomenal athletes, one in the NFL that Danielle uh, would go to the summer camp mm-hmm. and interview him and our other uh, hometown hero, Tom Heal. Tom Teal, who played for Villanova, ran over a thousand yards. So our little small town knows a lot about sports. Am hey, I Mike, wrong, Danielle? I gotta ask. I don't want to give you the. La- Did we graduate in the same year? I'm trying to figure out who you are. You're a year older than me. I'm a year older than you. Okay. Yeah. So you, um, it's Mike Janarowski. Oh, hey, what's up, Mike? <laughs> uh, hey, I played basketball so, with your um, sister. Yes, and you played basketball with my sister. Yeah, my sister started four, year, four years varsity in yep. my high school. Yep. Yep. Yeah, me too. And also, um. You know, like, and listen, you're on the radio today, girl. You're killing it, and you're doing a great job, and uh, you, you're making us Dumont people proud. I just wanted to tell you that uh, right thanks, off the jump. Thank you. Um, also, she was a star uh, a softball player. <laughs> uh, don't get that twisted, everybody. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, I watch all sports and, and everything. And last night I was watching that Knicks game. And, 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 and yeah. I watch baseball, but I'm a Yankee fan. My dad's a Mets fan. Baseball is not my thing. I watch it because I love sports. Mm-hmm. They need to get rid of the shift. But like you said, remember you were talking about Derek Jeter and he showed you all that stuff and how everything and how, you know, I agree with Jeter. The shift needs to go because it's killing the sport, yep. you know? Yep. And, but besides that, I mean, the Knicks last. All right, the Rangers, awesome. But what the hell was that the other night? We got crushed by the Blues, and that was disgusting. That. Yeah. I mean, we didn't even – our defense, I mean, nobody's getting down, nobody's sliding, nobody's doing anything. Did you see but the, did you see the, the memes Knicks. of uh, Shesterkin? <laughs> oh, my God. And then you can't – he gets no help back there. Right? I know. And they're going to say they're going to make Fox the captain when Crowder's sitting there all year. Yeah. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> Get the heck out of here. Him on the but, bench was all – it was like the, the look of dejectedness, if I ever seen it. I, it was disgusting. I, I shut the game off, and I had them with plus one and a half because oh. I, I, I never thought that we would lose six to two. I never yeah. thought that. I it was mean, like, come on. Every time you looked up, they were scoring another goal, the St. Louis Blues. Oh, I was like, my. I can't watch this. I actually changed yeah. it for a little bit. Me too. And then I went to the Knicks game, and then – I mean, I went to the Brooklyn game, and, man, did Kevin Garnett go off, huh? Durant, Durant. He literally was like, you want to know something? You're going to talk crap to me and B? I'll show you who the real guy is. Yeah. And I loved it every minute. And I'm a Knicks fan. Yeah. But the Knicks, okay, we were killing that game. We were killing it. We, we came out. We were open, whatever. Julius Randle needs to stop running the damn point. Oh, Actually, my God. I know. You, you, <laughs> You want to know the truth, Danielle? Why don't you just put the guy on the damn bench? I mean, because and let him play off the bench. Let him say, like, listen, we're going to sit you. Because if we have a Barrett running the point, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say we have Barrett running the point, and we let him control everything. We make him make his plays. We let him get open. We let him, when he wants to be one-on-one, I'm cool with his 35 or 40 because he's scoring that every night. Yeah, Randall could give us 50, but then he's going to drop 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And but what I also think was is that you know did you hear about Barrett has a bad ankle? He injured it what right before Christmas or something like that? Right after Christmas? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Why are we playing him? Oh, he's your best player, Mike. He's your best player. I, but I, but but I get that. But 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 at this point, 
I mean, why are we crushing him? Why why are we doing that? Like like at this point, I know you behate the tank and 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 and, and we're things, but like like we need to build for the future and we and, and we need to figure this out and and to crush Barrett and expect him to go out on bent bum ankles and score forty. I know that's what we want, but we're we know that that's what he's capable of. So if he's a hundred percent healthy for next year, what are we going to get? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, and thank God we didn't get Zion. Oh my God! I know everybody wanted Zion, right? Hey, you know what though? I'm looking at it. Let's let's be a little optimistic here. I, let's just play devil's advocate, Mike. Good good call there. The Knicks, uh, they were they entered the, the game last night on a three game winning streak. Let's not forget. And now, I mean, they're they're as a, if the season ended today, they would miss the playoffs. They're in twelfth, you know, in twelfth in the standings. The first ten get in, you know, the last four are, are playing scenarios, but. Maybe they're trying to make a quick little run here at the end. Maybe. And just maybe when they get mathematically eliminated, then they'll sit R.J. Barrett. But I, I, you know what? That That's a, something that I wanted to talk about today, and, and I was like, I didn't write it down. But I watched Julius Randle dribble the ball up, do like a little, try to do a little shake-and-bake move and hit a step-back three, and it clanged off the back rim, and I was like, I can't watch this anymore I can't watch this I get it the frustration with Julius Randle is at an all-time high I get it to the Bronx we go and Josh you're up on the fan hi good evening Daniel thanks for taking the call thanks for making I it. was wondering yeah. about those two rule cha- two rule changes that they had in 2020 the seven inning double header no longer right and that Ghost runner on second base and extra innings. No longer. Well, that's that's all I wanted to know. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> You're welcome, Josh. And with that being said, now everybody can have a, at least a regular baseball game, no matter how long it goes. <laughs> and and the thing is, with the with those um, robo umpires, aka robo cops. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that you and that you and Paulie were talking about. That doesn't take effect until next year or the year after? I I don't know if that's this year. I think it's next year. I'm pretty sure next it's next year. year. Yeah. 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 Which is okay. good, Josh. And, and it's good because I know there's a human element to the game of baseball. I get it. I know I played it. I was the human. I was the umpire. But sometimes you miss a call. Sometimes it's a big call that you miss. And you want it back and you can't take it back. So a little help. From a little artificial intelligence is not a bad thing in the year 2022, as far as I'm concerned. Should we break, Connor, and take one more? We could break. Okay, we're going to take a break here, guys. Um, So my question is, is Brian Cashman aware that the lockout has ended? I mean, is he aware that things have moves have already been made? I mean, Angleton Simmons, who everyone, including me, thought was going to be the Yankees' stopgap shortstop this season— is a Chicago Cub. Tell me, what is plan B or plan C? There's got to be one, right? 877-337-6666. Hey, welcome back to Danielle McCartan's show here on The Fan. That's me. I'm Danielle McCartan. Danielle, at dinner time. We were just talking about the Yankees and how they <laughs> made no move and which move would be the right move or the wrong move. And I'm very clear when I say Carlos Correa or Trevor Story should not be wearing pinstripes next year. But the guy who I thought was going to be wearing pinstripes was, was Andrelton Simmons. And he was going to be the stopgap shortstop until Anthony Volpe probably 
next next season, 2023, is ready to come in and take the reins. So, like, uh, I'm going to channel Angelina from Jersey Shore. Um, hello? Could we get a welfare check on Brian Cashman? Is he alive? Is he well? Because guess what? Words you'd never in a million years think you'd hear as a Yankee fan. The Yankees don't know who their shortstop is. The players are getting physicals at Steinbrenner Field in Tampa tomorrow. And the Yankees don't have a clear-cut shortstop on their roster. Who do you want, Yankee fans? Call Connor up, 877-337-6666. Now, there are two schools of thought. School of thought A, go for the gusto. Sign that shortstop for a mega deal. Worry about it again in 10 years. Carlos Correa, Trevor Story. Carlos Correa's estimated AAV, $29.8 million. Stories is $26.6 million. Not, that is the wrong answer. <clears throat> of course, I like the way that I suggested. Plan B, or, 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 or situation B, is where the Yankees find that stopgap shortstop and either wait for Volpe or Peraza. But both of them are due next season. So that guy was supposed to be Andrelton Simmons. But now, it's not. He's a Chicago Cub for just $4 million and a few incentives. You tell me the Yankees couldn't afford that? I mean, look at the available shortstops remaining on the, on the, on the free agent market. Slim pickings. I'm good. So, guess what, everybody? It looks like plan B for the Yankees is actually my option C, Roll with what you have until either Volpe or Peraza are ready to go. And what you have is, looking at the shortstops on the Yankee depth chart right now, is number one, Gio Urshela, number two, Gleyber Torres, and number three, Oswald Peraza. And if you're curious, here's how the Yankees infield projects to be on opening day based on their official depth chart. Like today, I checked this afternoon. Void at first base, Torres at second base, Urshela at shortstop, LeMahieu at third base. Let's go with not a great defensive infield for 500, Alex. Not what you want to see if you're a Yankee fan. So realistic Yankee fans, I appeal to you. Don't tell me you want to buy Rizzo, trade for Freeman, get Olsen, and sign both of them. I, I don't want to hear that. Realistically, knowing the complexion of this Yankees team right now, which option do you like Best on the eve of the mandatory player report date. Who's going to be playing shortstop for the Yankees this season? Let's go, Simon in New Haven, Connecticut. You're up on the fan. Good evening, Danielle. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Simon? All right. I want to talk about Brian Cash and answer your question, if I may. Sure. You know where he is? Where he's been for the last three years? He's been busy climbing up the walls and sleeping outside in a tent for charity every single year, which. Which I don't know why he does it. I mean, it's oh, just, you know, you getting that's players. A, that's a great. You know, oh, come on, that's a great charity. Raises a ton of money. You know, I know, but just for saying, homeless youth here in New York City. Let's not go. And there. As, for, as for shortstop, hello. Oh, that's it. What? I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't hang up on him. I didn't do that, Connor. I didn't do that. Uh, let's not slam the, the the Brian Cashman charity thing, guys. He raises money for homeless youth here in Manhattan. I mean, look outside your window. You want to be homeless on a day like today? Come on, man. Be better than that. Kevin and Camden, you're up on the fan. Hey, Coach. How are you? What's up, Kevin? I'm good. I want to, I want to talk about a couple of the rules that I like for this uh, new CBA. Mm-hmm. The DH is obviously one. And bats, 
back in February 23rd, 2020, you on your show, which I, I remember this, I took notes that day. Oh, you said, I love I that. Quote, you, t- you said, and I quote, you did not want the 163rd game, the, the tiebreaker. You, you wanted that gone. Well, two, two years later, it's going to be gone because they're going to go through this NFL format, which I thought was like, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to work in baseball, but I'm, I was, I, I wasn't, I didn't like the, Game. I, Anything I, I, is better I, 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 than that, Kevin. Anything is better than that. I agree. And for the but, Yankees, wait, but Kevin, but, I'm gonna and now I'm gonna get calls and say, "What do you mean it's exciting?" Of course, it's exciting, but it's not baseball. Baseball is ba- based on series, not one games. I, that's what I meant I, by that. No, I agree with you. That's why I, I, I took I took notes that day, and that's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, good for you, I, Kevin. That's why I took notes. Um, but for the Yankees, you could have gotten kind of philosophical. So they, they, the twenty didn't give the the. Uh, the um the Twins give up what Mitch Garver and I mean the Yankees could have given up Gary Sanchez for that matter. I mean no, Kevin, you're not. No, listen, I don't I, like I, Gary Sanchez as much as you do, but you're not giving up Gary Sanchez for a stopgap shortstop. No yeah, chance. No, I, I mean, you just, I mean, that's how I feel about it. But you were talking about <laughs> seriously. You were talking about um what the Yankees should be doing. Yeah. Everybody's crying. Oh, the Yankees are not going to get Freeman. Listen, I didn't want the guy to begin with. Resign Anthony Rizzo. What is wrong with that? The guy was the yeah. perfect fit to get team. He was like he, he was a good fit. He was a good left-handed bat. Yankees need left-handed bats in that lineup because it's mostly right-handed. What's wrong with Rizzo? Everybody seems to forget what Anthony Rizzo did for this team. I, I bring him back. I mean, you see, he, he's even open to coming back. So Yankee fans crying about Freeman. I don't see it. Just get Rizzo back. And well, real quick, and yeah. real quick about the oh, sorry. real quick on Rizzo though. The problem is though, Kevin. I mean, yeah. this, these are not the old Yankees. You look at the market value on a guy like Anthony Rizzo to return for the Yankees, $22 million. Yeah, You're paying $22 million a year for four years. Four years, I like. That's what Spotrack is saying. $22 yeah. million might be a little much for me, for him. So we'll I agree see. with you. And, and real quick, I would not sign Carrera's story. It's just, it's not, it's, like you just said, it just wouldn't it. be the right fit. Nope. Um, and real quick about the match. I know that they, they're saying that they're not going to do it, but you need, to, you need to sign Chris Bryant. He's out there. Mm-hmm. Get him. Listen. Because there's rumors of him going to Philly or Seattle. If he goes to no, let's put this in perspective. If he goes to Philadelphia, he's going to be in your division, tormenting you for the next decade. Oh, that's the new Chipper Jones. And I do not. And listen, I I'll give you credit. You were more on Chris Bryant more than I was in the beginning, mm. but I eventually warmed up to it. I'll give you credit there. <laughs> but I do not want Chris Bryant tormenting us for the next decade. So Mets, get your starting pitching, get your bullpen. But also, please get Chris Bryant. He's a utility. He can play third base. He can play outfield. Yep. He's the perfect fit for this team. So, yep. for the Yankees and the Mets, that's what I would like for both teams. And, and the Yankees need more starting pitching, obviously. But we'll get into that later. But I'm just happy Rizzo's back. And let's get it going because I'm ready to go. Kevin. Thanks, Coach. Me too. I'm excited too. I, I, I love that you took notes. And you know what? For those of you who do listen and very carefully like Kevin does, I want to mention one more thing. And he reminded me to say this. Everybody now is talking about Mitchell Trubisky possibly being a giant. Everybody's talking about it. I just went back in my own notes. I said on January 22nd, I said, Giants fans, be prepared for Mitchell Trubisky. He really fits the Giants' non-existent budget. And guess who he currently backs up? Josh Allen. Where? Oh, yeah. Buffalo. January 22nd, go back and listen to it. Mitchell Trubisky, I think, maybe a New York Giant. I said it then. Everybody's jumping on it now. 
All right, Connor's giving me the timeout sign. We're going to take a quick break, uh, hit some some ads, some spots. We've got an update from Rich Ackerman coming your way at the top of the hour, and then I'll be right back on the other side of that. So 877-337-66. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. To Danielle McCartan here on the fan. Danielle at dinner time. What are you guys having for dinner? I'm starting to get a little bit hungry. A little bit. We're about to have a change of the guard behind the glass. We say goodbye to Connor Green. Awesome. And hello to Paul Rosenberg, DJ Paulie R. Hey, listen. Uh, and, and Madeline Burke will be up here in less than one hour and she'll be on the air with me here. In an hour, so we'll talk all football starting now. So let's get the baseball calls all in, you know. But before we do that, you know, since it was the week of uh, the NFL Combine, I showed you all on social media, at Coach McCartan, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan, that my hands are bigger than Kenny Pickett's, and they are the same size as Joe Burrow's, nine inches. But I was still curious. So my trainer, Rachel, and I over at uh, Evolve Fitness in Franklin Lakes, we did an impromptu combine workout the other day. He's like, she's like, you want to do it? I was like, yeah. <laughs> so we did a whole bunch of events, a vertical jump, which she took a video of. But I'm going to save that for when Madeline gets here because I saw that she did one this week too. Uh, we also we did a 5-10-5 and the two splits. Uh, we did a 10-yard split and a 20-yard split. This is all within a half an hour. My best 20-yard sprint time was 3.41 seconds. Not great. Definitely room for improvement there. But I've always been a sprinter, and I played, what, basketball, volleyball, softball. So my 10-yard dash time, with no technique, just getting no blocks or anything, just getting there right on the turf and just putting my hand down and doing it. Uh, my 10-yard dash time, I thought was pretty good, 1.88 seconds. So I started to look it up and see, like, all right, who, who am I around, you know? 10-yard dash, 1.88 seconds. I, I, I This morning... I found that Tom Brady's 10-yard dash time was 1.77 seconds. I mean, that's kind of close. That is kind of close. And then the other thing is, too, like me and Rachel talk about, these are these men practice. They practice these things. I just kind of just did them. So I think I did I. I'll post up my vertical leap video against uh, hers when, when Madeline gets here. So stay tuned for that in exactly one hour from now. I really want to try the Wonderlick test. So does anybody have access to that? That's that's my next thing. I would love to try that. And I would also would love to talk to you. 877-337-6666. Marty in Westchester, you're up on the fan. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call, Danielle. Of course, Marty. Um, thanks for making like, it. Yes, I'd like to talk about the uh, Yankee shortstop situation. Sure. And I'm just wondering if D.D. Uh, DeGroyes might be available is he still with the Phillies? Well, listen, D.D. Gregorius, he, I know I, uh, he, uh, C.C. Sabathia was really stumping for him to return to the Yankees. He's a great teammate. All of that, right? But for this season, 2022, he's under contract with the Phillies for this season. It's after this season where he's an unrestricted free agent. So the Yankees would have to trade. pull a trade from yep. maybe, I'm just guessing maybe some low-tier prospects because, uh, uh, the two youngsters that they're talking about doesn't seem like they're ready for this. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I did see Anthony Volpe in uh, Hudson Valley mm-hmm. last year. Yep. I went to a renegade game uh, with a buddy of mine, and we also saw Austin Wells, who's their top catching prospect. Yep. And they both looked very good defensively. I mean, Anthony Volpe 
and make all the plays at shortstop. He showed some really good range. The game I went to, he shows a strong arm. So mm-hmm. defensively, he really looks solid. Yeah. And obviously, it's just one game. I mean, the sure. game I went to, we went 0 for 4, but uh, I just discount that, of course. Yeah. But he, he looks good to me. So uh, it's going to be tough because the defensive alignment you uh, mentioned a little while ago with Urshela playing shortstop. Yeah, that's how the Yankees and, have it right now. And right, and uh, D.J. LeMayo playing third base, they're both out of position. Yep. Those are not their best positions. Yep. So that's a problem. And uh, I don't see LeMayo moving over to second. I think they're going to give Glaber, you know, another year at second base. He's still young. He's 25 years old. I think they'll give him every opportunity to bounce back from uh, what he's gone through the last couple of years. So uh, they definitely do need a stopgap at shortstop. Uh, yeah, pro- I can't think of anyone else yeah. at this point. Who's it going to be? That's the problem. And, and, and at that point, you look around the league and you're like, who's it going to be? You know, Didi Gregorius, great guy, lefty bat, the whole thing, right? But you know what? I'm not trading for Didi Gregorius because his contract also, right now, if the Yankees were to take on that contract, his base salary is $14.5 million. That's the exact opposite of what the Yankees are trying to do right now. I mean, Simmons was there for $4 million. Four, $4 million. And, and the one thing, the one knock on Volpe, everybody says, oh, it's his arm strength. Well, guess what? He knows about that. He's aware. He went to, over the, in the offseason, he went to Wake Forest. And, you know, we talk about pitchers going to all these, these, um, these clinics and, and all that. But guess what? Anthony Volpe studied, visited, practiced with the pitching coach of Wake Forest. And they were looking at his throwing mechanics, all that, everything. So he actually said that this offseason, I'd say my arm strength was a big focus and a big goal I did, he said. They helped me a lot, as Volpe. It's the same thing with my hitting. I'm just trying to use the strong parts of my body, and it feels great. So far, it's a lot more effortless. Hmm. Smart move, I'd say. Okay, in the order that you called, let's go Mark and Bayshore. You're up next on the fan. Hello? Hey, Mark. Hey, I have, uh, if I can, ask you two questions about the shift in baseball. Sure. Uh, in your opinion... Do you think every era of baseball, whatever ever you think was the greatest of all time, 50s, 60s, 70s, would every era have had an issue with the shift? I mean... Like, you know, let's, let's say we think the 80s is great. Would that would that whole generation have had a problem with it? They would have had to ban it like they are now? No, but the pitching, I mean, overall, the, the level, the baseline level of pitching in the 80s is not what it is today. The, just the baseline. I know there are exceptions here and there. I get that. I know that. But you know what I'm saying? And and, and not to right. mention back then, I mean, they were taught. They they you know, they were taught to hit to all fields. Here I, I feel nowadays they're not taught to hit to all fields. Right. And that kind of was part of my second like yeah. maybe question or or ask your opinion on it. My attitude has always been like for these guys who sometimes I get mad at call babies like we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my attitude is if, if the manager wanted to put all eight or nine guys on one side of the field, too darn bad. Guy, if you can't bunt or get a base hit, who cares about defensive indifference? That's how I feel with the shift. Like, if they can't figure it out, oh, well. Like, I say leave it. Like, do we really have to, like, change it just to, like, they say people go, oh, it's ruining the sport. 
I don't feel that way. I feel like like you at your level, you should be able to adjust to this. Do yeah, you Mark, agree with this? Uh, listen, th- th- case in point, this is the study I did that one day. Uh, um, I was with, I am, I was so with you. I was for years and years and years and years, and then I started really digging. Well, because because when Derek Jeter tells you something, you, you, you listen. And he said it to me in October. He said it. I didn't ask. He volunteered the information that they should ban the shift. And I was like, wow. Well, let me start thinking about that. So I started thinking about it. And then I started researching it. And then long, long, long story short, I'm on the other side of this now. Because of the proliferation of the pitcher. Is diff- I mean, it, 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 pitchers are, we're not giving them enough credit. And and I, the case study was everybody's favorite Yankee, Joey Gallo. I mean, there was a situation, multiple situations, where they had six, seven, eight guys on one side of the field. Joey Gallo almost led the league in bunt hits last year. And, and, and the year, I think it was the year before that, don't quote me on that, or maybe it was two years before that, but he, his Barrel percentage was in the top percentiles of in the league. Uh, hard hit percentage, top percentiles of the league. All of that, all of those kind of things, line drive, you know, all that. Top percentage of the league, yet his batting average was a 190. I'm like, all right, well, this guy's ripping the cover off the ball. He's just hitting it to where they are. Now, thinking back to when we were kids, you were told what? In a batting cage, you know, the mechanical batting cages. You put the coin in, you hit it where? Right back up the middle. You want to put it right back up in that hole, right? Right back. Line drive. Right back. But th- there's there's uh, there's no more of that. Line drive up the middle and lands in the glove of a third baseman. That's ridiculous. That's a hit. That used to be a hit. Actually, in the, in the 2001, I mean, I'm sorry, 2021 season, the average batting average of balls that were hit in play was, I think, a 292. That was way down. It was like 307 just a couple years ago. So, you know, there's statistics, there's stats, and 4,802 hits were taken away by the shift just last year alone. So, yes, I was so, you know, hit the ball the other way, you know, get off my lawn, you learn how to do it. But, you know, and Freddie Freeman said it too. He said, if it was that easy, I would do it. So apparently it's it's not that easy at the major league level where you got pitches coming in at 100 miles an hour straight, fastballs. You got breaking balls with a break of, of nine inches, diving down nine inches out of the strike zone. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, we're not giving the pitchers enough credit. Lou in Astoria, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how are you? What's up, Lou? Good, how are you? I, I'm disappointed because uh, they canceled your game. I, I don't know. know. Gonna be. I, I know. That's terrible. I know. But you know what? I spoke to Evans, and he told me that you are great. Okay, so you was catching. I'm like, imagine. I want to see you playing shortstop. That's the position that I just yeah, me, me too. And, and then I give you a good grade, okay? Yes. But anyway, let me ask you something. Of all the major sports that we got, it's three of them to me. It's football, basketball, and baseball. Which one is your favorite? Uh, I, I would say baseball. But I would go baseball, okay. football, basketball, hockey. I thought so because you do play softball. Yeah. Why did you have a problem with the way the game is played? You're talking about it's too long. It is. You need a clock. We we the unique thing about baseball is that we don't have a clock. Right. But that we can we can listen. To, okay, go ahead. 
No, yeah, I was just, the average time of a game is three hours and ten minutes. That's unwatchable I, nowadays. I understand. Is that because you have a, a you teach in the morning? You got to get up. Is that the reason for it? Because you can always record it. Sure, but then I go on, I go on Twitter and I have everybody tweeting me. Oh, the Yankees won this and that. So no, it's, it's part, but Lou, it's part that. And okay, if I'm going to sleep early, the kids are going to be sleeping early too. They're you trying to grow this game from the ground up and, and cutting it off at the roots with the, the kids that are unable to watch the end of a game. But listen to me, one time I'm, I'm a snow money. I was a snow money for almost fifty years. Okay, and I I don't, I don't remember you, you probably wasn't even born. It's Marshall was pitching about like like eighteen or twenty innings, and I'm watching this game, and I got to get up at four o'clock in the morning, and the game almost finished at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just realized that I got to go to work. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, when you're a baseball fan, a fanatic like I am, I really don't want the games. Listen, it's like I was telling you. I don't understand. I mean, listen, it would be, it's the only it's the only game that has no clock, and the can and 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 a, and a player can play out out and the foul like the catcher. What does the catcher play? I, it's not a, it's not in a fair territory. Am I right or wrong? Listen, listen, we're going down a rabbit hole here. So, no, no, but Lou, I'm saying, Lou, it's a unique game. I don't understand why you why, why you think that it should be shortening. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't because I don't the, Lou, the attention span of kids nowadays is is not three hours and ten minutes. It's just not. And if a game starts at seven, it, it, if you go to the game, forget about even going to school the okay. next day. Forget about I, I, it. I like that. If you start, it's just seven o'clock should be should be a great game. Okay, I mean that's the, every game should start at seven o'clock. I agree with that because of young kids. But even but seven o'clock, also, Lou, is too late. It's it's yeah, just too well, late. Well, let me let me let me ask you something. Supposedly that we have like in the old days base stealing. How does the pitcher? You say you want a clock on the pitcher, right? How does the pitcher? No, they're putting a clock on that? the they're putting a clock on the pitcher, and I love it. Well, well, well let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Yeah. I, I want you. I want you to explain to me because you're good at mm-hmm. this. If you got a guy like Hickey Hardison, which is out on the first base, mm-hmm. and the pitcher throws five times to first base, mm-hmm. what's the penalty? I don't know what the penalty is. I don't know what they've what they've worked out. I don't know, and I also well, don't. And you know, I also you know don't know. I get it. I get it. Right. The Luke. way the game is played today, I can understand your point. Right. But, but if, you get, if you get the base stealing people, and like in the old days, mm-hmm. how are you going to tell a pitcher to only throw to first base one time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, Luke, then the, the, it's a great point, yeah, and, right. and you and you also don't know what the penalty is for a batter that might be taking his time in the box. You know, rubbing the dirt, fixing his batting gloves for the thousandth time, stepping out, looking at his bat. Picking his nose, I don't know, whatever. Like you don't know what that penalty is either. So you know, you and I were not in the bargaining room. We don't know. Maybe it's not even outlined yet. We, no one knows. But what I'm telling, what I'm saying is, the game is not engaging and it is too long. That's an argument we've had time and time and time again here on the show. And putting a pitch clock in, installing a pitch clock, is one way to alleviate that. I get it. Baseball, the beauty of baseball. I mean, come on, no. Times have evolved. Put the clock in there. Paul in Floral Park, you're up on a fan. How are you, Dave? Hey, Paul. Good. How are you? Yay! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm glad to hear that they got rid of the 70 double headers. Yes. Uh, and, and, and the ghost runners, second base. Uh, the pitch clock. Okay. I'll, I, I can live with that. But uh, but this uh, the with the new format going with the NFL, with the NFL format for the division and and wildcard tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on! I I just okay, wish it was the- more like a like a power rankings because if you get stuck yeah. in a division with a good team, you're like, all right, well, yeah. my record kind of sucks right. now. Right, right. I mean, that's 
I mean, that's uh, that's uh, ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the one the one game playoff is great. I loved it. I mean, especially in 1978 when Yanks played the Red Sox. I remember watching that game. I saw Bucky Dent hit his home run, you know, over the Green Monster, mm-hmm. and oh God, and then uh, David Getty's no hitter, and in '83 the infamous Pine Tar game. Yeah, those were the good old days. <laughs> Yeah, and Bucky F and Dent right there, Paul. Bucky F and Dent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. maybe baseball can get back to that, the, the good old days. Maybe they'll make new good old days. There's a um, a tweet from Anthony DeCuomo that I wanted to read from a couple hours ago. It just popped up in my timeline. I think it's good. Um, he said that, asked about whether it might be him or Jacob DeGrom making the Mets opening day start. Max Scherzer replied, quote, I don't care. He's the reason I'm here. I want to be here and pitch with great pitchers, and he's obviously one of them. Ooh, if you're a Mets fan, did you just get some goosebumps up and down your arms there? I mean, Max Scherzer, what a good teammate he is, or pretends, or I mean, not pretends, uh, has the potential to be. Wow, we. All right, Hector in Washington Heights, you're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I mean, I've been wanting to talk to you about this whole shifting for a few weeks now. Ever since you bring up, brought up uh, Derek Jeter uh-huh. and uh, Freddie Freeman, I just haven't had a chance to call. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm here now. But before that, I do want to ask because um, Patrick, you, I don't know how the heck that came up. <laughs> so this Randall came up, and, and then the, the whole bringing the boy ball down as a forward, being a point forward, or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And when I hear that, you know, this this times it frustrates me too, and I haven't been happy with you this Randall this season by far. Mm-hmm. But I look at that and I say, okay, people talk like this is Julius Randle going rogue. I would think this comes from Tibbs and the coaching staff that they want him to do this, that they allow him to do this, and they prefer the ball in his hands instead of the weak point guards that we have right now. Besides, you want to send maybe McBride some hope, but he just started playing. But like, here's the thing. So, so you want the ball in Julius Randle's hands, right? Not at the three point line. You want the ball in Julius Randle's hands at the blocks. that I want no, no, I'm it. saying I just, just in general. If, if it's right. the coaching that wants him to bring it back, which is baffling. I don't agree with it. Yeah, but baffling. You want the ball in his hands at the blocks. You don't want the ball in his hands at the three-point line. You want the ball in R.J. Barrett's hands at the three-point line, for example, or Emmanuel Quickly. I mean, I just I don't understand it. Maybe maybe Hector. Maybe it is coming from the top. Maybe it is. Who knows? But when I watch that, the guy doesn't have the handles that these other guys do. I mean, come on, Julius well, Randle. I just feel like it happens too much. Like this didn't just start happening. Right? Yeah. It, was, it was we saw it last season, but yeah. they were winning, so you know it, so, it, it, it didn't bother people that much. Yep. We see it this year, the whole year, you know. So I, I, I'm thinking he can't be doing it on his own. It has to. They have to be okay with it, or else he just doesn't listen, and then that's a bigger problem, right? Yeah, right. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, listen. What about me? I, I don't know. On the shift, um, and listen, who am I to argue with Derek Jeter and Freddie? You know, you bring those guys up. Yeah. I have no argument, right? I, I, thought, I, the, I thought the same thing. I know, yeah. But, you know, I just, I, I just, I can't, I can't accept that the, that the shift needs to be bad. To me, listen, and I'm not going to say you got to bunt or just hit the ball the other way, right? Because obviously we know it's harder, and like you say, the pitching has gotten better. But at the same time, I still feel like, the reason why these guys are shifted on is because they made it easier to be shifted on. Right. Because they focus on hitting power. Because they focus on pulling the ball all the time. Yeah. So maybe if you weren't doing that, maybe the shift wouldn't have come out or been a, a, as big as it is. Like, yeah. you know, because now we see everybody on one side of the field. It's not even we're going to move guys around to where 
that the numbers show that you hit the ball where you spray the ball at. And honestly, I'm surprised with Freeman because I see Freeman as a guy that does hit the ball to all, all, all field. Yeah, and I Hector, really I think... To hear that yeah, I, I know. I was too, and I think he was kind of trying to stick up for the little guy. But here's the other thing. Maybe because there are six fielders on one... I'm just playing devil's advocate. Because there are six fielders, seven fielders on one side, maybe you feel like you have to lift the ball up and over their heads and over the fence to, to get it in play. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, so MLB has... Agreed, obviously, to the CBA. There are some new rules changes in effect. We'll talk about more of them coming up after the break here on The Fan. Your official station to talk Jets. With uh, DK Metcalf. I'm for it, but what would you realistically be willing to give up to bring them, to bring them out here? First round be pick. willing to give up the two first round picks? The Fan on 101.9 FM and the Odyssey app. you on the fan till 8 p.m. tonight. About half an hour from now, Madeline Burke will be here in the studio. We'll talk all things New York football giants and Jets. She was just at the Combine, so we'll get the first-hand experience uh, of that, too. But, you know, baseball's back. Until she gets here, baseball is back. And a couple rules changes have been enacted. Um, I went through in the open before about things I hate, like, love, and don't like. Hate that they're putting advertisements on these jerseys. It's horrible. Hate that they're putting advertisements on the batting helmets. Also horrible. I mean, it's it's just embarrassing, really, for a multi-billion dollar corporation to have to put advertisements and, and to cheapen the, the look of the product on the field. It's just horrible. It's just horrible. I, it's, I can't stand it. Uh, but then, love the universal DH. Finally, love the pitch clocks. Thank you. I like that the All-Star Game... If it's tied after nine innings, which has happened 13 times in the 88 total games that they've ever been played, a home run derby will determine the winner. I say why after nine? Do it after seven. It's more exciting. 2023, they're going to ban defensive shifts. I can't believe I said that, but I like it. And the draft lottery, they have obviously um, revamped, or not revamped, built in for this uh, this upcoming off season. I don't like the larger bases. And I really don't like that the postseason is expanding to 12 games. So if you want to talk about any of that, hey, give me a call. 877-337-6666. And we'll go down the list here. Let's go, Matt, in the Jersey Shore. At the Jersey Shore. You're up on the fan. Hey, good evening, Danielle. How you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I'm good, thanks. Um, so I didn't hear your opening. That's right. Um, I'm sure, I'm hoping you're as excited as I am that baseball is back. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. So, given everything that we know about the Yankees organization, we know that as, as <laughs> much as you want to hold Cashman accountable for not just, um, you know, what he's doing now, but also what he's done in his tenure with the Yankees, we know he's, his hands are partially tied given ownership's financial constraints. My question to you is, is first base really the place where they should be putting emphasis right now, given that Luke Voigt is still on the roster and all the other major needs that this team has? Mm, you know, I thought about that as I was driving in. And I'm like, if the Yankees put emphasis and upgraded for now at shortstop and I had Luke Voigt as the first baseman, I'd be okay with that. But if the if the Yankees upgrade at first baseman and still have – Gio Urshela playing out of position, and then therefore DJ LeMahieu playing out of position at third base, I would not be okay with that. 
I can't believe I said that, but if Luke Voigt's the first baseman and it means, you know, a betterment for the future, getting that sh- stopgap shortstop, th- then I'm all for it. I don't think that's right. going to make mean, the Yankees just, the best that they could possibly be, though. But operating under the constraints, I don't have a lot said, of faith. Right. Yeah. I, I honestly don't have a lot of faith that they're going to land anyone of note, really, given that they're already so close to the, even the new um, threshold. But I, I just this team, even as we've talked about, even Cashman has said this team needs major upgrades, mm-hmm. and even though. <laughs> He, he says that. We know he's his hands are tied in what he can actually do. Um, so it's, so uh, uh, I, uh, I'm just hoping... Matt, that's the most disappointing thing about this team so far. It's the same exact team as last year. That's the biggest disappointing thing. Yeah, and the thing. year before that. Yeah, right. This team is not athletic. This team is so one-dimensional at the plate. This team, it's just not built to, to win a World Series right as right as it's constructed right now. Sorry. Right, and I'm tired of all these expectations that you know they're they're supposed to win. They're supposed to win. Well, sh- give us a team that it realistically could actually happen, and then people might start believing it. Yeah, give give me a guy that can hit a a, a hit and run with with you know runner on that will score a run from third. Like uh, you know, give me a guy that can hit situationally, or, or more than one of them. Don't give me these guys that are going to try to knock it out of the park every single time. I, it's just it's it doesn't work. It's just not working. It's not working for the Yankees anyway. They're too one-dimensional, and they are not athletic on the bases. That is for sure. Uh, Joe in Staten Island, you're up on the fan. So, so I, I, just, I just think it's hogwash about the length of play in, in baseball, right? I mean, you look at the average NFL game. It's three hours, 15 minutes. Nobody's complaining about it, right? It, it's the style of play that's killing the game, home run or bust. Right. And I also think it's the fact that you don't let the players police themselves because now you don't have rivalries anymore, mm. right? <clears throat> so there's a lot of things that have taken away from it. You know, uh, you don't have a steal anymore. And that's kind of why I'm in favor of the pitch clock. I think it's yes. going to, you know, I think it's going <clears> to <throat> kind of like, you know, facilitate stealing a base, right? Joe, we're, these, we're ta- yeah, guys- we're, we're, and I'll let you finish too, but we're different for the audience. We're differentiating between length of game and engagement in a game. There's a difference there. You no, know, you were saying it's just too long. You were saying no, the game it's both. takes too long. No, no, to play. it's both. I said it's both. It's too long, A, and there's not enough engagement in the game. Listen, I'll sit. By the way, I looked it up. The average NFL game is three hours and 12 minutes. You were right on. The average baseball game is three hours and 10 minutes. So you're right. But why does a football game feel so much shorter than a baseball game? Because there's so much more engagement in it. Well, it's not only that, it's, it's just that, okay, you can watch six guys go up there and strike out, and then there's nothing happening because it's either a home run or, or a strikeout. Well, that's what I'm talking or, about. You know? Yeah. Or, or a walk. And I agree that there needs to be definitely more engagement. I think, you know, becoming more interactive, everybody's got a cell phone, put, put stuff on a cell phone. I agree with all that. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's about, like, and now take the Yankees, for example. We're right-handed heavy. We play in Yankee Stadium. This guy put together yes. such a garbage team, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. We're, we're right-handed dependent. I call him brain trashman because he's literally been the worst GM in baseball for the amount of money that we spend every year. Uh, he's definitely the worst return on any GM in baseball, okay? You put together an all-right-handed hitting team. Yep. You got a guy like Aaron Hicks who gives you maybe 40 games a year. You spend $10 million on him. I could We could have spent $10 million yes. on Eddie Rosario. Horrible contract to Aaron Hicks. Horrible. Horrible. You, you know, the, the, you look at the 10 top worst contracts the Yankees have given out, Brian Cashman's name is on eight of them. Mm. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, there, there's so many different things, you know, that you could go through and say, okay, but, but it's the style of play that's making baseball boring. And the fact that players can't police themselves, you know, you want to pimp a home run. That's cool. Pimp a home run. But sometimes you got to wear one. That's just part of the game. It's always been that way. And that's how rivalry starts. Yeah. And that's how fans get engaged. Right. You know, get, fighting exactly. and hockey happens every game. Yep. And there's that word again there, Joe. Engagement. There it is. Yes. Leonardo in Manhattan. Ciao. Buonasera. Come stai? Bene, bene. Tu? Oh, molto bene. Saying D. I'll talk English now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> great to talk to you. I hope everything's well. Um, just a slight correction on your monologue. You said that the uh, the bases are going to be uh, shorter distance you know, because they're bigger. But I read on a blog today, the base-to-base length will remain at 90 feet. So the bigger bases are just going to give, like you said, a bigger target. But it's still going to be 90 feet, Danielle. I'm wondering then, because if – back to, to geometry class here, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but – if a base is now, it was 15 inches, and now it's eight. I'm thinking about second base, and now it's 18 inches. Well, you can have a 10 foot base, but if you put it 90 foot away, you know, and it's not in fair territory, you have the beginning of the base at 90 feet, and the same for second base, and the same for third base. So I, I've checked it three times because when I heard you say that, I like, you know, and I wasn't good in geometry or math <laughs> either, but I'm like, this sounds a little weird. Hmm. But, um, to the advertising, you know, I kind of, Wait, you know, I'm Leo, a purist too. One, one second yeah. there too. Okay, sure. I'll give it to you. You're okay. right on that. The, the reason why, and there was another thing I saw too. Um, they said, but having the bigger base, 18 inches, I thought it was just to prevent like the, the step on the foot sort of injury, which could be it. But they said one of the right. reasons why was specifically because the play like at second where the base runner is stealing second base and they pop off the bag and then they go to replay and they say, oh yeah, look, his fingertip fell yeah, off yeah. there. That, that apparently is, is what this 18-inch bag is going to help to alleviate is what I read. For sure. And it's still going to be 90 feet yeah. each base, right? Okay. So it's not going to change. So just, just for a little clarity. Okay. Um, but, you know, hey, um, now the advertising, I kind of agree with you. But, you know, these things are, are coming. But I have an idea. And if you want to tell some folks, you know, at MLB, if you know, you can take credit for it. But I think if they do decide to do it, and they are, um, I think the first day that they have advertising on the uniforms for one day only, that every advertisement should be the same, and it should be for Chico's Bail Bonds. And I hope you know what I'm referring to. No, I don't. I don't know. The Bad News Bears. You, uh, all right. <sighs> I'm going to be your movie helper <laughs> for the next, like, year. I'm going to help you with movies. We did American Underdog. Yes. We're going to do this. I'll give you my Netflix password if you need it. But we got to get you up to speed on some. And I'm obviously talking cheap there. But you got to watch the Bad News Bears with Walter Matthau and Jody Foster. It's a classic. All right. Well, listen, I got to do it in the summertime when there's a lot more time uh, that I can play with. But sure, let's do it. Okay. And uh, if you're a GM, what do you do with a, uh, a player who, in a 21 year career, hit 679 home runs and struck out, never struck out more than 100 times? and only struck out 90 times twice in his career. I'm referring to Albert Pujols. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a GM, now that we have Universal DH, yeah. do you sign him, yes or no? And if so, what do you offer him? And then I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, Leonardo, it depends, though. It depends on your situation. Like, um, probably if you're an NL team, right, because you're looking for a guy, you're looking for a guy that, that could bring fans in, 
He's not going to be playing in the field. You know, it's just, it's to me, uh, to me, it's, and I hate to say this, I mean, Pujols, I mean, clearly, Hall of, you know, he'll be a Hall of Famer, probably first ballot. To me, whatever team ends up actually getting him, I think is going to be like a uh, a team that's trying to fill some seats. Hate to say it. Maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know. What do you offer him? Probably a ton of money to do it, too. And that's the return on investment. Let's go to Joe in Northport. You're up on the fan. Hey, how are you? I'm good, Joe. How are you? Good, good. Um, You know, I wanted to just kind of say I'm a baseball purist. I love baseball like like any other guy out there. I'm 50 years old. You know, baseball is is back is great. But the problem with the game is still the greed on both sides. And what I'm talking about is you just mentioned we're going to have – you know, uh, we're going to have advertisements on our helmets and on our jerseys. But you want to know something you're talking about before trying to speed up the game, trying to make the game more enjoyable mm-hmm. and exciting. But the problem is the most basic of things that you're afraid to go back to, the networks and say, hey, listen, commercials are going to oh, be going on during the game. I know. We need to. It, it needs to be while the action is going on. Yes. Put it on the side. Put yep. it on the bottom. Yep. And and that's the biggest that would help the game tremendously, but nobody wants to do it. It would be the biggest thing to help, not the pitch clock, not the batter's box. Mm-hmm. It, it's the it's the fact that we have three minute breaks in between, and pitchers can't warm up in dugouts. They got full pitching and batting cages in those stadiums underneath the stadium. Yep. Tell them to go warm up there before they come on the mound, yep. not on the mound. Agreed. Keep the game moving. Yep. And 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 this is the biggest problem. And I, until we can get a commissioner that's willing to go to the network and say, "Hey, listen, we're in control still. You guys still want us. This is what's going to happen." And until they do that, I, I'm afraid baseball is going to be continuing to lose an audience. I love baseball. My kids love baseball. Mm-hmm. But you want to know something? I got an 18 year old son, and he watches maybe four or five innings most per game. My, my, my 14-year-old loves to sit down and watch with me, but I know he's different than every, every other fan. But my 18-year-old, four or five innings, he'll come in maybe, you know, and it's never in a, in a row. It's, I'll watch an inning here. Yeah. Okay, Yankee, Yankees got up. Now I'm going to go back and play my video game. Yeah. I'll come back when, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is nowadays. I and know. they don't realize that that attention span is terrible. Yep. Terrible. Joe, you hit it right on so. the money there, Joe. Good idea. We talked about it here. Put the, the commercials is where I, as a really big fan, start to get lost. When you bring in a, a relief pitcher, before, eh, you go to a commercial. You show them warming up, you go to commercial. Commercial, commercial. That's in like the seventh inning. That's when you start to lose me. I mean, they've made it a little bit better saying that the guy has to face three batters in a row. Maybe a little bit better. But, man... Those commercials are killers. Like you said, find a way to, to, to put it, pop it out on the side, do it that way. I'm with you. I, I am, I am, sign me up for it because that is where, even me, one of the biggest, you know, biggest baseball fans there is. That's where you start to lose me. And, uh, all right, we'll continue to talk about some rules changes, uh, some, you know, Finally, some hot stove baseball, real hot stove baseball. John Morosi tweeted at 8.31 last night that he thought within the next 24 hours that Freddie Freeman would be on the move. So, Morosi, you're on the clock. Let's see if before I leave here tonight, 
It will Freddie Freeman be on the move? Maybe he'll be a Yankee. Do you want him in a Yankee uniform? Call me up. 877-337-6666. The Fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and with you on the fan. I know we said we talked about some Yankee moves and some rule changes and stuff, but as of 47 seconds ago, well, maybe a little bit longer by now, two minutes, one minute ago, this from Jeff Pass and the New York Mets and Oakland Athletics are in agreement on a trade that would send right-handed starter Chris Bassett to the Mets. Sources familiar with the deal tell ESPN, wow, what a deal for the New York Mets. They're getting a guy in Chris Bassett who... I mean, he's got an ERA last year, 3.15 ERA. He was 12 and 4 as a starter. He pitched, most importantly, if you're a Met fan, because you got a question mark on Jacob DeGrom, you got a question mark on Max Scherzer. He pitched 157 innings last year, 144 innings the year before that. Wow, nothing yet on what the Mets gave up to get him. But what a deal for the Mets. Wow, we good for them. Oh, and the Yankee fans. Oh, the Yankee fan might be like, wow, is my GM still sleeping? Let's go, Bob and Schenectady. You're up on the fan. Hello, Danielle. Big fan of yours. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Well, I've got two things. One thing I feel about baseball being back. I heard your opening and um, kind of feels like the girl that left me after dating her for a long time and I wooed her back and she came back but didn't really want to be there. That's how I feel about baseball right now. I'm a huge baseball fan. Love it. But hopefully I'll feel better about it now that they're back. I think you will They be. don't really appreciate the fans. Uh, the second, the yeah, second thing is Cashman. Let's go here. It's time to do the right thing. Get Matt Olson here. Here's a list of all the players. Take your pick. Who do you want? Yeah. Got keep Glee- control for this year or next year. And let one of those kids cut their teeth in the big leagues. If they can play defense, let's see what they can do with their back. Yeah, Bob, not a bad deal. You got Olsen. Olsen would be the guy that I would want um, because he is most, I mean, here we are talking to Yankees cost effective. And here the Mets are going out and getting uh, getting Chris Bassett. But the, And the Yankees are talking cost effective things. Olsen would be the most cost effective. You're right. But you're going to have to give up a lot of prospects to get him. Maybe some major league talent. Uh, uh, no, definitely some major league talent to get him. What about Voight? Torres, and two prospects for Olsen. I would do it. Tommy in New Hyde Park, you're up on the fan. Well, you know what? You just changed my question. I was talking about the shift in uh, 2023, but now the Mets made a deal with this facet. Who are they giving up? you have any idea? Nothing yet. Nothing came out yet. You'd have to think probably some major league level guys. That's for sure. It's got to be, yeah, something like that. They have to get something. Well, then I'm looking. I'm a big Mets fan. I'm really getting excited now. Oh, um, if you're a Mets fan, Tommy, you should be over the moon right now. Oh, you have no, oh, you have no idea. It's like it's it's great. I mean, I'm like ecstatic. I can't even know what this. Like, if you told my wife, she'd be like, "He's screaming." But anyway, <laughs> about the about the ship. Yeah. In 2023. Now, is it, are they going to make it like a certain line where you can ship or ban the ship? No, it's a. From what I read, it's an outright ban. All right. So, what does that mean? Like an outright ban? You, 
Uh, probably it just means that it's probably in my, my best estimation there, Tommy, is that, that you got a third baseman on the left side of second base. You got a shortstop on the left side of second base. Excuse me. And your, and your second baseman, and your first baseman are both on the right side of second base. That's my, that's my guess. No details have come out about that yet either. Tim, Tim in uh, Tenafly, my neck of the woods there, Tim. Yeah. How you doing, Danielle? Good. How are you? Uh, good. Thanks. Uh, I think, you know, a couple of callers back was, I think, kind of confusing you or something when he was talking about the 90 feet, you know, mm-hmm. base paths being mm-hmm. the same. Well, he's wrong because the way it works is the first base, let's say, right on the foul line, the back end. Are you there? Yeah, I'm listening. Yeah, I'm listening. Okay. If you measure from the back end of the first base, right on the foul line, and if you go parallel to second base, the back end of second base. That's the 90 feet. So right. when so when it becomes now from 15 inches I believe to 18 inches, it's still going to be the 90 feet from the back to the back, but it's going to be actually 6 inches shorter from the front of the base to the front of second base. Yeah, that that's how I imagine. Yeah, it. that's the way it is. Okay. I, you know, he was making it sound like it's still going to be 90 feet. It's going to be 90 feet from the back to the back, but it's going to be six inches shorter because that's the way they want it. So that, you know, when the guy leaves off the first, theoretically, mm-hmm. he's going to be going about three inches more than he used to. And when he slides into second, it's going to be three inches shorter. You know, it's going to be minimal difference, but it is, it is different. He was making it seem like even though it's bigger bags, it's still going to be 90 feet. It's not. It's yeah, going to be shorter. Yeah, I didn't think so. You know what, Tim? I'm going to ask for some clarity on uh, on that rule, exactly how that measurement uh, adds up, and, and I'll, I'll tweet that out as soon as I can get that information. Uh, but I do have new information from Anthony DiComo. The Mets, this is a tweet from DiComo, the Mets have found their starting pitcher. They're acquiring Chris Bassett, as we know, from the A's. And here it is for J.T. Ginn and Adam Aller. If that's it, oh, my God, Mets fans, you should be – clapping and, and everything right now. I mean, you look at what Adam Aller, they're both pitchers. Adam Aller, he was um, in the minors. He never, I don't think he ever pitched a single inning in the major leagues. That's one. And you've got JT Ginn, who is the Mets' number five overall prospect. ETA in uh, in the in Major League Baseball is 2024, 2023, I'm sorry, 2023. He's also a pitcher. Wow. If you're a Mets fan, and these are the only two guys, according to Anthony DeComo, that the, the Mets pulled off for Chris Bassett. Oh, baby. Steve in Northport, you're up on the fan. Danielle? Yeah, Steve, make it quick. We got uh, to hit an update and a quick break. Okay, delighted to reach you. Listen, uh, thanks. to speed up the game, if you're at home rather than in the stadium, there's a little invention, 10 years old. I think it's called the DVR. Say it again, Steve. I use it. Hmm? What's that? Say it again. One more time, Steve. I said the DVR. Yes, DVR. Yes. I use seven it for shows. Game. Right, but if, but if someone, if I'm DVR a 7 o'clock game, then what's going to happen is I'm going to go on Twitter and it's going to be ruined for me. I'm going to have people texting me and messaging me, and then it's just going to be blown up, the whole thing. 
I can't do it. I can't do it on DVR. And by the way, when I DVR things, it takes me like a week to watch them. So I'm going to be just a week behind in the whole season. You don't want me here on the radio with a week behind? Two weeks behind? You don't want that? I've right, got a quick break. An update from... The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the whole of New York sports, just say, hey, Google, play WFAN. McCartan before midnight, Danielle at dinner time, whatever you want to call it. Hardball's my guy. Paul Rosenberg knows that. He's DJ Paulie R on the ones and twos over there. And to my right, Madeline Burke, Giants.com, all things digital, everything else. You do a lot of things here, Madeline, and thank you for taking the time out for being with us for the final hour today. I'm so stoked to be here on Danielle before dinner, <laughs> McCartan before midnight. I'm just in awe of the ease with which you come up with these names for I these love time alliteration. Slots. That's what it is. I mean, get her at any time of the day. She's got, got a title them. for it, folks. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for that, too, by the way. Um, first thing, fresh off from the combine. Oh, yeah. Wanted to talk about something uh, maybe not so combine related. You did your own vertical jump, huh? I saw yeah, so if uh, you guys haven't already seen on Twitter.com and the Giants' TikTok channel, my elite athletic ability was put on full display. And by elite athletic ability, I mean inability to get off the ground. But I mean, I'm already I'm already 5'10", so I think on some level the universe is like, yeah, you're up, you're off the ground enough as it is. But yeah, I got like a maybe three-inch vertical, which is... Which is significant improvement. improvement. It's oh. if you've been following this journey for me, um, <laughs> I've really put in work on this, and so it just kind of puts into perspective just how hard it is when I see these guys with like forty inch verticals. Yeah. I'm like, I I get like four inches off the ground, and I feel like I'm flying. So I did it the other day. Okay, I just I said to my trainer, it sounds bougie, but I said to the girl who trains me, I was like, Hey, can, can we? Yeah, and she was like, Let's do it. I was let's like, Okay, let's go. So I did a vertical jump. Uh-huh. Guess what? Give me an over under. I'm gonna put it ballpark around what 25? No, <laughs> over. That. I mean, I went under that. It okay. was a 17.5 inches. That's, that's a not respectable not jump. Bad. That is a very respectable vertical. It's just like, hey, let's just let's just do it. Yeah, you and know? I mean, like, if you wanted to get a box jump in there, like, you could actually physically do a box jump. Yeah, like I would break my jaw if I tried to do something like that. But I compared it against some NFL guys. Mm-hmm. I had to go back to like 2000. I don't even know what year. Hey, at least I it got was... bigger hands than an NFL quarterback. <laughs> you do too? I think so. Well, if you include my nails. <laughs> uh, left guard, Josue Matias. Uh-huh. Jersey guy. He uh-huh. had a 17 and a half. All right. Lineman. So, so you, you could be a, a lineman in the NFL, you're telling me. Yeah, or a quarterback with my hand size. There you go. <laughs> we got to measure yours. I we got some peak athletes on the fan right That's here, right. ladies and gentlemen. That's right. Combine us together. We can maybe get it done. <laughs> So talk to me about the the, the Indianapolis, the combine, yeah. all that. You know, combine. You know, it was great to be back in person in real life. You know, I think it's one of those things we didn't obviously have this experience last year, and you don't realize how much you miss it until everyone's back. And yeah, it's one of those events where, you know, of course, there's the things you see that the media availabilities, the workouts, all that kind of stuff. But just kind of being around people, the passing people in the hallway, the the kind of conversations you're able to have with people because everyone is in such close proximity in the same room, in the same area. Uh, it, it's really cool. And plus, Indianapolis is such a perfect place for it. They, you know, they've been considering moving it. Now they're considering keeping it there. Mm. Um, I'm I'm of team keep it at Indy because it's just such a specific place, but everything's so close. You can walk everywhere. There's the, you know, the classic dinner at St. Elmo and drinks at Prime and 
Um, <laughs> Got it all down. You just kind of know where you're going to see people, where you're going to run into people. And it's kind of nice, you know, when you're in a place with like half the league in attendance. Um, it's it's really great for, you know, you're watching people have conversations and then you hear, oh, a trade got done. And it's like, oh, that must have been that chat over in the corner at oh, Prime cool. over there. And so it's, cool. it's kind of a really cool thing. And um, it's a really unique experience. And this year, too, it was cool to go through it. And, you know, once again, with a new staff, you got Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable kind of putting their mark on the way the Giants are doing it. Um, and it's uh, it's going to be an interesting process. Yeah, well, hey, if you guys want to give us a call, 877-337-6666. I went to Lucas Oil Stadium when the Jets just happened to be. We were off of school that night. Uh, it was a teacher convention week in November, uh-huh. and it was a Thursday night football game. I went to the Jets-Colts game, and that stadium was beautiful. It's gorgeous. I mean, I looked how it's older, 10 years old maybe. It yeah. looks brand new. It's gorgeous. Well, and the thing that I really think is admirable about it is it's kind of right in the heart of the downtown. Yeah. It doesn't feel like this kind of monstrosity in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, as sometimes stadiums can be, they can have this overpowering presence. But Lucas Oil Stadium is this kind of beautiful brick facade that yeah. kind of blends into the skyline. Um, it's big and noticeable. It's not like unassuming, but it's it kind of it works fits. well. It fits. Yeah. Inside, it's incredible. Like, it doesn't look like an old stadium. Right. It's really, you know, well upkept. And, um, yeah, it's gorgeous. Gorgeous. And you could park. In, it, the downtown is literally, like, right there. Downtown oh, yeah. Indy is right there. I rode a bird scooter, like, right over <laughs> there. Mean? I mean, I, I love, <laughs> like, those types of modes of transportation. The city bike, a bird, all of it. But, yeah, I was riding bird scooters all around Indy. You could have walked, but, you yeah. know, the bird was, you could get the breeze in the hair. and oh. you know. <laughs> you and your modes of transportation. It's a good time. It's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell, talk to Giants fans right now. Tell them how they should be excited about this new regime of uh, of Joe Shane and Brian Dable. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we see that they're already kind of starting to make some moves, right? We've got um, the new league year. By the way, tomorrow is New Year's Eve. Uh, new <laughs> new league year's Eve going on over here. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, Shane and Dable are both very... Um, personable guys they're very personable guys they've they're really fun the environment around the organization is just kind of light and and that's uh you know you walk in and it just feels like people are in a good mood people are happy to be there people are happy to show up and this isn't any disrespect yeah, I was on anyone say, else this isn't any disrespect on anyone else this is just kind of one of those things where usually you know you have a coach or a gm that kind of feels like they're in a tier of their own but these guys make it really feel like hey we're all on this team we're all in this together and I don't know. It's fun being around them. And, you know, Joe Shane's got a lot of work to do to get the Giants under the cap. Of course, they have to be under the cap by the start of the new league year on Monday. And Mm -hmm. they've been making some moves. They've been getting creative with it. I really love the way that they approach these Sterling Shepard and Blake Martinez deals because both these guys are injured. Uh, Blake should be, you know, good to go. He's been doing his rehab. His knee's feeling better and he should be good to go for next season. But Mm -hmm. Shep... I, you know, I mean, that that Achilles happened at the end of the season. That's a year-long recovery. So it would likely be until the end of next season before he's able to get back on the field. Mm-hmm. They put him in a contractual position where it's like, hey, here's some uh, availability for you to earn up to about five, five and a half million and all that. Mm-hmm. But it's going to significantly lower the cap hit. And it lo- both of these restructures lower the cap hit in a similar way as if, the Giants were to cut each of these players. Right. I was going to ask about that. It was $13 million <laughs> against the cap if they were going to cut both of them. 
and now they're keeping both of them on restructured deals right. for $13 million. Well, because in in a contract, when you cut a player, there is a certain amount of it that still is a cap hit, that is still a guarantee to the player. So mm-hmm. instead of saying, we're going to cut you and take that cap hit, they restructured and said what that cap hit was is kind of this base we'll start at. Mm-hmm. And that's the base you can earn. But they threw in a bunch of incentives. So if you perform, we'll pay you more. But if worst case scenario, if you're out, you're injured, if you're not able to kind of do what we need from you, mm-hmm. then okay, we'll we'll pay what we would have had to pay if you were on the street as a free agent anyway. So it kind of is a win-win for both of these, um, both sides in this. And then, you know, they they had to make some moves. They got rid of uh, Kyle Rudolph, Caden Smith. They've got Evan Ingram, who's about to be a free agent. So mm-hmm. clearly they're going to be looking to cle- complete reset at the tight end position, looking to the right. draft, I'd assume, for that. Um Riley Dixon, they cut the punter Riley Dixon, signed Jamie Gillian, who a left, I was going to say left-handed, left-footed, left-footed punter with the nickname the Scottish Hammer. So, so much content there already. Um, <laughs> hey, Giants, Giants fan, I don't want to cut you off here, but Giants fan, she's here. Give us a call, 877-337-6666. What moves do you want the Giants to make? Ask Madeline, you know, if, uh, let me ask you right now, do you think Saquon Barkley will be a Giant next season? I do. I do. I think that, uh, yeah, I think that that's kind of really where they're going to be headed because I think he is not only um, a talented player, he's a leader in that locker room. Mm-hmm. They uh, cut DeAndre Baker. I think that that was kind of... Uh, Booker, Booker. I mean, Booker, sorry. Uh, uh, they cut, and, and they kind of are showing like this is kind of the direction we're going. We're going to stick with these core pieces that we have for now. And again, Joe Shane has been adamant that he's not not taking calls. They are open for business. They are looking for deals. He will consider offers. He didn't say, you know, pretty much everyone's on the table, but he did say like, listen, I'm I'm here to make this team, put this team in a position to win now and in the in the long term. And so people are going to come to him, but again, what are you going to get for Saquon Barkley? You're going to you're going to get like a third and a fifth or, you know, especially a guy who's been injured for the most part of the last 2 years. Right. You're not really going to get a lot in return. So I think it's like, you know what, let's keep him. Let's let him play. Let's let him be healthy. He worked his tail off to get back. I'm like, uh-uh, pivot. No, he worked very hard to get back on the field. That freak accident ankle injury yeah. kind of pivoted his whole course. I think they're going to give him a chance to do this year what he wanted to do last year and reevaluate from there. But that's, I think, the best option for them, considering realistically what you can get in return. It wouldn't be worth it. Yes, and the continuity factor, too, of it, too. Like you got Daniel Jones under center, and mm-hmm. he's got his guy behind. You know, this is the make-or-break year, for, in my opinion, for Daniel Jones. Like, Joe Shane needs to know what he has in that guy. Can he be the quarterback moving forward? And to start changing all things around him again. Right. You know, this is, what, his third different playbook in four years. I mean, come on. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. think there's value in just keeping him for that reason alone. But speaking of Daniel Jones. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, Daniel Jones is the guy, and they, they got to put him in a position to succeed. They got to build up that offensive line. And unfortunately, Dave Gettleman, when he came in, he said, This is priority number one rebuild this offensive line, shore up that offensive line. They, you know, had a couple failed at bats in doing that. They had a yeah. couple swing and a misses in doing that. And so now that's still a problem. And it's hard for any young quarterback to have to adjust to these kind of things breaking down around them. And when you're playing on a team when, there are units that aren't working at the level that they need to be. Mm-hmm. 
players often find themselves overcorrecting because, you know, you hear the old adage, like, do your job and do it well. But I think when teams are struggling the way the Giants have been, you're doing your job, but then you're also kind of out of the side of your uh, side of your eye trying to account for your teammates' job and trying to help over here. And that kind of creates more clumsy errors because you're not focusing on doing your job and doing it well. You're also worrying about everyone else's job around you, and that just – it doesn't it doesn't work out well. I do think the priority though at quarterback is signing a quality backup quarterback because for a guy like Daniel Jones, as talented as he is or isn't, whatever you think of him, he is also a, a quarterback who has had some injury issues, has not had right. an entire season where he's been on the field. And if you know that this is a quarterback who hasn't been able to be on a field for the entire NFL season, you need to trust that your backup can win you some games. Is it Mitchell to. Trubisky? That remains to be seen. I said it on January twenty second. I, I said, mean, "Giant fans, be ready for it." You know, i i wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. Let's go to Douglas in the Bronx. He's got a question for you or me or both of us. Douglas, you're up on the fan. Hello, Danielle, and hello, Madeline. What's up, Douglas? Hi. Hello. Hello. Before I get to Danielle, uh, I want to ask Madeline. I've been wanting to ask you this for a couple months since you were last on with Danielle. Do you know a personality named? Um, Andrea Belke. She felt she's another Absolutely. person. Absolutely. Yeah. Andrea is a good friend of mine. She's a former Survivor contestant. She's been on three times for those out there listening who don't know. And she's a host at People Magazine. Um, and she's a she's a gem of a human. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Daniel knows this about me, but I'm a huge reality show fan. And uh, Andrea made the jury three times hard enough to get there once, but congrats to her. She's one of the best strategists in that show's history. She um, is a, she's and, a fan favorite for Survivor, of course. Yeah, she's a legend yeah. in that show. Absolutely. And do you know a former NFL player named Danny McRae? Um, do you know him offhand? Or He wasn't in the league for a long, but um, yeah, he played Survivor last fall. Ah. Danielle, he'll be competing on the next season of The Challenge. So, oh, really? There you go. Oh, the cast was yeah. there. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, I don't know Danny McRae personally, but uh, that's going to be that's gonna be fun to watch. Oh, the, cha- the challenge yeah. the cast came out? I got to I gotta Google this right now. Do you watch it? I do not. <laughs> oh, I have to watch that. Okay. All right. So here's my Giants thought. So got the upcoming draft. I, I, obviously, offensive line is a priority. I'm, But I really like this guy from Iowa, the center, Tyler Linderbaum. Mm-hmm. Um, have you, so is he, uh, from your sources, Madeline, what's your, have there been internal discussions of his stock uh, uh, that the Giants might look towards acquire him? Um, and that, and that um, uh, cause uh, obviously he would, I, I think he's awesome. <laughs> and I got a couple of friends in Iowa that, uh, are very familiar with him, and he would be a gem in, in New York. I mean, with the Jets, too, but uh, obviously I'm a Giants fan, so I would yeah. love for him to be on my team. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's a, you know, those Iowa linemen have some skills, I think, historically, and I do know that the Giants right now are still not quite at a point where they have their draft board fully locked in, I'll tell you that. And, you know, with picks at five and seven, a lot depends on what happens before they get on the clock. A lot happens on what happens in these upcoming pro days that we're going to be seeing as well. I think guys are still in a position where their stock can be going up or down. Um, but I do think that this is absolutely a player that is has a lot of talent and possibility in the NFL. But I think, you know, here we are March 12th. I think it's a little soon to hone in on who the Giants are going yeah. to be picking at what spot. Uh, because I don't even think the Giants, again, have their board 
finalized. They're, well, they're, they're not, far they're from not it. using a board anymore. Well, I thought I saw. There we go. There we go. It's it's, it's the the term, you know. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. But yeah, so uh, but I do. I'll keep an eye out, and hey, if things come uh, if things come closer to fruition, or if he ends up in New York, I'll definitely think of you. All right, so we got to hit a quick break here. We're here for the rest of the hour till 8 p.m. here with Madeline Burke. Give us a call, 877-337-6666. We'll pivot to some Giants, some Jets, you know, draft talk, combine talk. And um, if you have any baseball calls, too, we'll field them as well. 877-337-6666. Your official station to talk Jets. The great, or at least the good Jet teams, had those studs up front. And quite frankly, I don't want the shiny penny right now. I'll take it later. <laughs> yeah. I want to be the best at one position, and that's offensive line. The Fan on 101.9 FM and the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Daniela's Dinner Time with special guest Madeline Burke here in studio. Madeline, say hi to the people. Madeline at mealtime. I'm not, I'm not as good at this as Daniela's Dinner Time. <laughs> no. All right. uh, but yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, guys. Uh, we'll take your calls in a second. Giants calls, of course. Jets calls if you want. And baseball calls, too. Uh, a, a quick little insight on the pitcher that the Mets just acquired. This is from Mike Farron, who's a host for uh, – a traded for, I should say. This is from Mike Farron. He's a host for MLB Network Radio. He says – that Chris Bassett, who is a new Mets starting pitcher, logged 150-something innings last season, which is great if you're a Mets fan. Chris Bassett, this is Mike Farron saying this, Chris Bassett was lauded for his leadership with the A's. Bob Melvin absolutely loved him. There's risk in the age of most of the Mets rotation, but it has a chance to be one of the strongest staffs in the NFL and the NL. Outstanding pickup. I agree. I co-signed that. The Mets, and for what they gave up for him, two minor leaguers, for Chris Bassett, Great move for the Mets. Madeline, who's your baseball team? The Dodgers. Oh, I'm God. born right. and raised right. in Los Angeles. Chavez Ravine. That's where it's at, you know? All right. This is that was fun. You guys back up. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> All right, we'll back to the calls. Eight seven. Enough with the Dodger dogs already. Enough with the Dodgers. Enough with them spending money. Enough. Oh. No, it's, you know, it's all right. It's, it's success brings on envy. I get that. Oh, um, stop it. <laughs> oh, stop it. No, you're going to have people turn off the station. Don't. No, no. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to be a heel. I'm not good at that role, but I'm doing my best. <laughs> Being a Dodgers fan, you are the heel already. Corey in Manalapan, you're up on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Of course, thanks for making um, it. Just have a question for you. Um, I'm a big Giant fan. I was going to say something about my sleeping... GM of the Yankees who's just sleeping there while everything goes on. Yeah, have we performed but, uh, what... a welfare check yet on Brian Cashman? <laughs> Does anybody know if he's alive? I don't know, but let's talk about the Giants because well, I have a question. My question is, um, obviously we need offensive line help and the draft is probably the easiest way to do it, but do we have enough money to go out and sign some of these free agents that are offensive line that are veteran, more veteran than uh, you know than going into the draft. I know we need other stuff. We need linebackers, and we need that. But we have to protect Daniel Jones if to see if he's actually going to be the guy going forward. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree with you there. You can't have Andrew Thomas being the most veteran player on that offensive line, and they will have to kind of go into free agency and do that right now. As it currently stands, no, they don't have the budget. But uh, Joe Shane's not done. That front office isn't done kind of working with it. You know, the 
the priority number one was getting under the cap is getting under the cap for Monday's new league year. Priority number two is kind of reworking some of these other things, seeing who's going to stay, who's going to go, how you're going to manage this roster. Because like you said, you need to have some veteran presence in that offensive line. And they might go, you know, bargain hunting, trying to find somebody who maybe is more of a veteran presence in the locker room who can kind of come in and show some of these guys how it's done. Somebody's on the tail end of his career, but you need somebody who can get in there and play. You need somebody who can be on that line in those trenches because I've talked like one of the things players talk about too is if a guy is injured for example and he's on the sideline he's still at the game right still at the game still on the sideline still talking to his teammates after a play but it's very different than the conversations that are happening on the field on the between the lines in between plays not even just in the huddle but just hey calling things out to your teammates Mm -hmm. and what you're noticing and what you're seeing out there and that is important and that is why you have to have veteran presence on the field, not just in the locker room. So I feel Giants fans bristling at that because, you know, recency bias or whatever, Nate's older. I mean, he yeah. was supposed to be that guy and wasn't. Yeah, and I think it's hard because I th- I don't know. I've always been of the belief that if Bill Belichick is ready to let a player walk, I don't trust it. I, I don't trust it right. because if he's if he thinks, you know what, I'm ready to let this guy go, it's like, what's wrong with yeah. what, do, what don't we know? Yeah, um, right. And... I, you know, I think Nate is a tremendous human being, um, sure. and I think, but I, you know, I think his his best days were behind him when he got to the Giants, and you need to find a guy who you can, maybe is at the later point in his career who still has some heart in him, and and maybe at a, a smaller contract than Nate Solder signed for as well, because you can't be overspending on a guy like that. Right. Let's go to Rick in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Rick, how is it down there? Is it warm? Eighty degrees? Yeah, right. It's it's 50 degrees. Oh, I'm freezing. You poor freezing. thing. It was snowing sideways here today. <laughs> I know, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to go down to 30 tonight. Oh, right yeah, now, it feels like so, 16 here. We're going to have... see those iguanas falling off the trees again. <laughs> yeah, I know they're uh, freezing. It's, it's, it's not supposed to be that this cold. Let me first say, Buonasera, Ballet, Signore. Hey, my ciao. Favorite lady. You know, Madeline speaks uh, Spanish. Madeline. Fluent Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, uh, I do want to say, Waddle, I'm going to get to you. Now, even though you just brought that Dodgers point up, I still love you. <laughs> oh, no, thank I, you. Uh, it base first, first, Danielle. Baseball's yeah. back. Yeah. I can see them in, down here. The, the, the ball, the bats today was cold and snowy down here. It was, uh, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was uh, not a nice day. But I'm so excited, and I can't wait to, to see. The season starting, and the Yanks better get their act together. Rick, do, uh, and do you go to any plug- games out down there? Do you go to Steinbrenner Field? Of course, I go. To, yeah. I go. Yeah, I go. Oh, that's I. I go there all the time, yeah. only because I mean it, I, I'm right next to it, and I go. I don't spoil it. We go, and I and I see three or four games, five, six games, depending on what kids want to go and stuff. But I don't, you know, because I it's comp. I don't really. I don't like to be spoiled with everybody. So we go, and I enjoy, love Spring Trace, my favorite stadium, and it's just it's just the best feeling when you're sitting in 85 degrees watching baseball. So nice. that is uh, definitely, I definitely go. And like I told you, come down, you let me know. We'll be, I get you right behind home plate anytime you want. Oh, well, maybe any, when I, maybe if, I'm, maybe if I'm no longer a teacher, I could do that, but... <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I know you're teaching. I know, I know that. And let me first quickly say that the Rangers don't get their act together tonight. I'm really upset the way they've been playing, and that's a whole other conversation. And I won't uh, talk to you another night about that. But Madeline's with you tonight. Madeline, I call Big Blue Kickoff all the time, and I'm telling Paul and Jeff 
and uh, John that they need more of you on that pro on that radio show oh, to be on you. there. Oh, thank you. Look at so, you. Thank uh, you. She's great. I love what she I know. Said. She's not on that much, but I, I tell the guys, I tell them all the time, it's all guys on. I say, get Madeline back on. Get Madeline back on. So, hey, you, you know, know what? I love John, you. John Schmelk does a really good job with that show, and he's running a it's, quite it's the deep rotation with, uh, with like you yeah. mentioned, you got Feagles, you got Lance, you got yep. Dots, you got and Deal. you got Foley Dots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, it's a great show, and that's where I get my giant sticks. And I want to ask you, since you're talking Giants, and, and like I said, Daniel, I'll get you on these other points yeah, yeah, down no the road. Tomorrow. It's, you know, tomorrow. With, with the, uh, well, yeah, all right, I'll call you. Yeah, I'm working, but I'll catch you depending on the time. Um, you, um, Madeline, with the new, uh, and I, the most exciting thing about baseball being back and everything is that with COVID lifted, I mean, and it's been that way down here for a longer than up there, but it is so much more freer. Everybody's out. It's so exciting. Madeline, what are you looking forward to? What part of that are you looking forward to covering the Giants going forward into the spring, into the early summer? With the restrictions lifted, oh, yeah. are you, like, excited about that part of being inside, being able to interview and all that? I mean, uh, can you speak to that little situation there? Because I think that's yeah. going to be, it's got to be a thrill. It's a huge, uh, well, it's to a huge benefit, too, to like your point. That. You know, you're, yeah. you're, you're not so separate from everyone. You get to be having those conversations with people in the hallway. You're not kind of... Uh, you know, during COVID, we all had these little trackers that we had to wear when we were in the building um, to make sure that, you know, if somebody came up positive, they can track who was too close to them. So anytime I'd get within six feet of another human, you'd hear beep, 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 beep. And it was literally that sound was in my dream. So, you know, that those Nightmares. being retired, I think, is is a very wonderful thing. Yeah. Um, but also just, you know, personally, when I go into the office, I was in there earlier this week and for the last two years, we haven't been able to do this because of just the parameters that have set up for COVID, but now it's back to normal. Now I go back to my usual desk, which is just a little table in the cafeteria. <laughs> this will be my seventh season covering the Giants, and for the last two, I wasn't able to post up there, but every other season, you know, I come in, I put my little laptop down in the in the cafeteria, I work from there, and you know, guys coming in and out for lunch, and you get to see the players and see the coaches and see the front office and see the ticketing people and just kind of it's a collaborative space because we don't really have a lot of office space area in other parts of the building and so it's just kind of a place to just kind of sit down and, and just have conversations with guys and I appreciate you know as somebody who covers the team I don't want to go up to a player and every time I walk up to him I need something from him mm -hmm. like hey let me do right. this interview with you let me ask right. you this question sometimes it's nice to just be like hey you know how's your new dog like hey what's going on I heard you moved like how's life and yeah. have a conversation and get to know these people because at the end of the day, like all these guys on the field, they're working hard to win games and all that. But they're all humans. They're all people with really, you know, their own interesting lives. And uh, it's nice to develop and nurture those relationships in a more organic way. And it shows up in the reporting, too. Yeah. Right. It yeah. influences that, too, giving all the fans like a little bit of a behind the scenes sort of look at times. Right. Yeah, because you can get to know a little bit about more about who these guys are and why they tick the way they do. And and can kind of understand the nuance behind some certain situations that from an outside perspective might not be as clear. Mm -hmm. Let's go. Yeah, we can go Sparky and Dobbs Ferry. You're up on the fan. First coach, how's everything? Good, Sparky. How are you? All right. I didn't call the last two weeks and stuff because I had to work both weekends, unfortunately. But now my baseball points, um, I think the Yanks really have to bring back Rizzo because Voight situation, even if Voight was 160, healthy for 162 games, 
what Boyd is as a first baseman. He's a player that doesn't make errors, but he don't make the plays either. You, there is a marked difference between the defensive mm, uh, prowess, I guess is the word, between, of course, Luke Voigt and Anthony Rizzo. The problem is the price tag. I mean, Anthony Rizzo is going to command an estimated $22 million annual salary. Luke Voigt is a fraction of that. So if you're no. looking to build the Yankees long-term, does that you have to look at the books. Like, Does that impact your ability to sign Aaron Judge at the conclusion of this season? If so, then Anthony Rizzo is going to be out, in my opinion. But I think he's a great fit. He's a left-handed bat. He already showed he could play here in New York. People love him. The Italian flag's in the stands. I love seeing it. Um, so, you know. You know, Coach, when you bring it up, and it's sad as you write about this, you know, when you bring up Judge, they're in a situation, no matter what they do, in my mind, Judge is different than other plays. His age, forgetting his age, I think you got you got to sign him no matter what. Because very simple thing. I mean, Coach, when you go to the games and you go like to the souvenir shops, a lot of them almost look like Aaron Judge museums. Yeah, I know that. You know what, though? Funny you say that, because the last time I went to the stadium, Sparky, I went to the the souvenir shop, and I wanted to spend, I was saving up my money, I wanted to buy an authentic Aaron Judge jersey. And I wanted the pinstripe version of it, and they didn't have it. What? They didn't have it. Do you believe that? Yeah. Wow. So I took my money home. And and now, another thing, though, what the Mets just did. Yeah. The the Yankees front office should be thanking God that George Steinbrenner is not alive because he'd fire everybody after what the Mets just did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. The Mets got themselves a, a quality starting pitcher for very, it seems like, very little. Two minor leaguers. That's it. Yep. I mean, and now one point for your friend Madeline. I'd like to ask her, as a Dodger fan, does she think the Dodgers are going to get Freeman? Ooh, I don't know. Well, it's Dodgers-Braves that are, Sparky, thanks for the call there. Dodgers and Braves seem to be the final two. So, if the Dodgers... They need help. They need help with the rotation, but I don't think they're... I don't know. I don't know. Well, Freddie Freeman's a first baseman, so I think... I mean, uh, yeah. Listen, I think... I think ultimately in my heart of hearts, think about it. He's he's a guy who's played his entire career with the Braves. Right. Why would he be lured to the L.A. Dodgers? Tinseltown, the whole thing. I mean, they just won the World Series with the Braves. Yeah. Stay there. I don't know. Love the one you're with is what to say, but you know what? The grass is always greener, so. Uh, I don't know. Ultimately, I mean, John Morosi said we were going to get an answer on, on the uh, Freddie Freeman sweepstakes Within 24 hours, which there are, there's less than an hour left on this. So we'll I just see think what the happens. Longer, the longer Freeman stays on the market, the more exciting I mean, this will be. Well, no, like <laughs> if he was going to stay, why didn't he just do it before the break? Yeah. I mean, the lockout. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. There you go. I mean, if he didn't decide to stay already, he's testing, testing the waters a little bit. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. LA. Ugh. La La Land. Yeah. La La Land is right. <laughs> All right, so we have David. I see you. Stay there. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back for finally. I mean, not finally. Already the the final segment. This goes so fast when you are here. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right, more Mets talk, Yankees talk, if you wish. Dodgers talk, I guess. Nah. And, of course, some Jets, Giants. Fans. And, you know, the Jets didn't send their head coach to the Combine. Should Jets fans be worried? We'll hit that coming up next here on The Fan. And you- Tailgate Rock, rock songs that will crank up the good times. Featuring songs from Van Halen, The White Stripes, Kid Rock, and more. Search for Tailgate Rock on the Odyssey app to listen. Hey, Mets made a big move today. Chris Bassett, I think, is a win for the team. The Yankees, they're still sleeping. Someone please tell the Yankees that the lockout is over. Uh, They can start making deals again. And, of course, Madeline's here, so we were taking your Giants and your Jets questions. You know, for the Jets fans out there, I do have a question on behalf of all of them. Um, Are the Jets too smart? Did they Because they didn't send their head coach and a few other coaches to the Combine. Are they just too smart to go, Madeline? What, how does that look um, for, for, a, for, an, for an organization to not send their head coach to the well, Combine? And not just an organization, an organization with two top ten draft picks. Exactly. But for a little bit of perspective, you got to remember that the Jets coaches were at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. So they did have that kind of infl- or that interaction with some of these prospects there. I think the thinking seems to be that they wanted to keep it separate to avoid that that groupthink mentality, to kind of send the front office, the GM, the scout, and kind of have them make that decision outside of the coaching staff. But I do know from the, from the people I've talked to that coaches were kind of surprised. Usually they do go to the combine. Usually they would be there. I think they were all expecting to be there, and they kind of were shocked to find out that they weren't going to be going. Hmm. Um but again, you know, had the chance to work with some of the prospects at the Senior Bowl, going out to a lot of these pro days and stuff in the coming weeks. So it's, you know, maybe if nothing changes, nothing changes. And clearly the Jets had to change something if you look at the track record over the last couple decades. So, uh, couple decades. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or, you know, less, you know, less, you know, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, but, you know, they want to kind of have a process where the two sides can evaluate separately, it seems, and then come together and make decisions rather than, you know, when you're in the same room with a bunch of people, you kind of get swayed to other people's opinions. Yeah. So so before we take the calls here, I, I wanted to make sure we said, I said this, I listened to one day lunch in my classroom and I actually watched it on YouTube, I think, your interview with Cynthia Freeland. Oh, adore Two her. of my favorite people in the same interview. How could I not watch it? Biggest <laughs> takeaway from talking to Cynthia at the Combine. Uh, first of all, Cynthia is a gem. She is a brilliant, very smart yeah. woman, mm-hmm. um, very good with all things. I mean, sometimes I can't wrap my head around just how she... Math, you know, I, I don't know. Math, I was maybe algebra two is the best I could do. Um, but first of all, the thing that I always like to point out to people is the word analytics gets tossed around as though it's some kind of new age cult, but it's really just a word that means how you interpret data. Yeah. And that has been the process of making decisions, not just in football, in sports, in, in anything for, you know, as long as we can remember. You got to look at data, interpret data, and make a decision based on it. And I think that the way that, you know, she describes it, and if you haven't listened to this, I know it's still up on Giants.com I'm on YouTube. Posting. I'm typed. That's what I'm doing right oh, here. Oh, there you I'm go. Coach over you. here putting it out there, too. <laughs> but she does a really good job of making it 
it understandable and digestible the role that analytics play. It's not like, oh, you look at this instead of that, but you look at this to say, here's what I'm seeing. Here's the numbers. Do the numbers reinforce what I'm seeing? If they do not, then it gives you pause and it gives you a reason to kind of go back and reevaluate what you're looking at it or look at it through a different lens. And I think that that's really useful because if you're seeing a guy who looks really fast on the field, but then he's running really slow at the four time. Like, okay, what, what yeah. am I missing here? And Or vice versa. You see he, a guy who looks kind of slow and he's, his numbers are fast or that his GPS tracking says otherwise. It's, okay, how can I look at this differently? What am I not seeing? And it draws your attention to areas in which you can do that. And there's so much information, again, too, with the GPS data available. Yeah, a lot. With, you know, the combine stuff, some of that is just kind of performative at this point because they have so much information on these guys um and so this is really just a way to put it in a digestible understandable way and cynthia does an incredible job of of serving up how to look at this in a, in a way that makes a little bit more sense yeah and it combines it's it's not analytics it's a more of a blend a combination of what you're right. seeing with your eyes and mm-hmm. backing it up with facts right right and numbers numbers math it's all just facts it's all just saying okay here's what it it, it is. is yeah math yeah. is a universal language too. yeah all right, David in Summit, New Jersey is up next on the fan. Go ahead. Hey, good evening. How are you guys? What's good. up, David? Um, I wanted to quickly talk about baseball. I have a 24-year-old and a 22-year-old son who literally, if they've watched six innings of baseball in the last 10 years, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why people aren't talking about this more, but there's, you know, we're getting to the point where whole generations of young people are not paying attention to the sport. I live in a suburban area where they do get exposed to baseball as mm-hmm. opposed to more inner city. Um, kids are not watching it. Baseball is not marketing their stores the way yes. every other sport does. That's the key and right there. Yeah. I mean, it, David, we, it, we talked it, about it this last weekend that, here. We talked about it. I mean, Mike Trout could walk down a street here in Manhattan. No one would know who he is. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Dave, Jacob deGrom was at a deli around the corner here, and nobody bothered him. Someone from here saw him there. Not yeah. one person went up to him. Yeah. Marketing, that's the key, though, right there, because number one, it's a slower moving sport. And in a generation where you've got, you know, attention spans scrolling through eight second TikToks like they're, you know, nothing. But then also the marketing, you're not making the stars of the game into stars outside of the game like other leagues are. Mm -hmm. It's just basically, but I don't know why no one's paying attention to this, because the demographics are showing like, I'm using my two kids as an example, but all their friends. Um, they have no interest whatsoever. The only thing that brings them into baseball once in a while is gambling. And that, that's something where I know I hate to say it, but that may attract the younger people towards the sport. But right now, the younger generation, and I'm not just saying, Mikey, that I see a wide range. They're not going to the games. They're not watching on TV. It's too slow. And they can't name five players on either the Yankees or the Mets. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also if you notice too, just with the the lockout recently, just how little attention people seem to be paying to that. It was, you know, a lot of games were being moved and th- things and that. It seemed like nobody mind other than Jeff Passan, who was all over it, but yeah. like and me and Danielle McCartan, obviously. <laughs> but it's like, uh, well, here's the thing. I am a teacher during the week, and my biggest when I sit when this point comes up, I talk about this all the time on Jersey Day. When it's Jersey Day at school, there are there's maybe one kid wearing a Yankee jersey. It's all basketball 
or all football. And I'm talking out of town basketball, like John Morant jerseys. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not even John talking- Morant. That man is incredible <laughs> athlete. Yeah. yeah, but but what I'm saying is like these kids. It, it's the it's the it's the um, the pace of the game is too slow for them. Right. They'd rather play lacrosse over baseball. Is what I'm seeing. I mean, we had girls trying out for soft. Lacrosse never cut girls. Ninety nine girls tried out for lacrosse, mm-hmm. and we didn't have a freshman team of softball. We're like. What are, you, what are we doing here? But again, I think that it really does come down to the point that college made too, it, uh, marketing, because you have these stars of the game that are not being served up, that are not being, you, you got to yeah. kind of make them into people that you build fans by, you know, marketing campaigns and seeing this. And even if they're not watching the game, if they're not going out to Yankee Stadium, if they're not going out to City Field, but they're seeing these guys on, you know, these commercials yeah. or in these making appearances at shows or marketing deals, or having a, a shoe line come out or what have you, that's how you kind of build a little bit more fanfare outside of the, the normal space. And the games are on too late. Sorry to say it, but you can't expect a, a, a six, uh, you know, sixth grader to stay up to 11 o'clock to watch the end of a Yankee game five times, five yeah. nights a week. Heaven forbid there's a rain delay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> rain delay. I'm in bed. Yeah. <laughs> I can't stay up that late. But seriously, though, I mean, and I think I saw that the Yankees had a couple games scheduled for like 630 start in April, and then they just nixed them all. All of them. Gone. Out the window. Like, those are the games I could stay up and watch the whole the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, baseball, we talked about this often here, especially in, during the lockout. The baseball's got a huge problem. I mean, how— I mean, I played softball for a little bit. And, oh, I did. I did. I was terrible. How'd that go? I was terrible. You've seen my <laughs> athletic skills, but, I, you know, I got out there. I was part of the team. Were you first baseman? Right field. Oh, yeah, that's where uh, they put the— Obviously, <laughs> where they put the person who's just there for a good time. No. Uh, but, you know, and then I, you know, in high school, I did the PA for high school baseball, now batting, all that good stuff. You did and that? I, and I kept the books for our baseball team. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so it's like I, I love the sport. But Major League Baseball needs to do a better job of putting it out there. It's amazing how football players with helmets are more recognizable than baseball players without them. Right. <laughs> well, thanks to all the callers. We could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you. We'll see you tomorrow after the Knicks-Nets game around 4 o'clock or so. Great job to Connor Green and to Paul Rosenberg behind the glass. Also to Rich Ackerman on the updates. Madeline Burke, awesome as always. Thank you very much. See you again soon. Thanks for having me. Anytime. See you again soon. Anytime. Anytime. (laughs) All right. In the meantime, I'm Coach McCartan on Twitter. She is Madeline Burke. All right. And we'll keep the conversation going throughout, I don't know, the rest of tonight. Maybe Freddie Freeman makes a deal. Maybe your Dodgers uh, will get Freddie Freeman playing first base before the night is over. We'll see. We got baseball back, though. That's (laughs) baseball back. Ball is life. Baseball (laughs) is life. Basketball, I don't know, all of it. All right, everybody. Thank you. And we'll tune in tomorrow at 4 p.m. here on The Fan. I'm Danielle McCartan. Sports Radio 1019 FM, WFM.